0: Hey there, Weird listeners. This is Herman with a bit of a short introduction to the episode you're about to hear. Billy and I are pretty busy these days because we're working on a secret project, which we're going to announce soon enough. But for now, to keep you folks on your toes and to keep your uh, palates sated, um, we've decided to release one of our lost episodes. That's right. Into the Weird has a couple of lost episodes that you know, either got lost in the shuffle or missed their release dates or because of some audio trouble we shelved or scrapped and then I reclaimed them eventually out of sheer boredom or because of lack of new material uh, or just because Billy and I were on holiday. And this episode is one of those. I um, originally intended to release this as a Halloween episode last year, but Because of some technical problems, like I mentioned, we couldn't do that in time. I eventually did uh, iron out all the little bugs and imperfections in the audio. And um, uh, this is the uh, end result. So I'm hoping that you guys enjoy listening to this. Um, It is a Halloween episode, however. So remember, um, we're into the weird. We can get away with stuff like this in the middle of the month of May we're releasing a Halloween episode. Just call it halfway to Halloween or something if, if it really irks you. But um, I'm sure, sure you'll have fun listening to it. Billy and I had a blast recording it. So um, without uh, further waffling on my part, I'm going to ask you to cast your minds back or forward, as it may be, into the past or into the future. And imagine an October morning afternoon or maybe an evening preferably the middle of the night and um, you sitting there with a coffee or a beer or something and spread out on your lap some horror comics a tomb of dracula giant sized issue and perhaps a werewolf by night and uh, then only then will you be able to enjoy into the weird episode 29 otherwise known as The Lost Halloween.
1: to the Weird, a podcast celebrating the madness and magnificence of the mighty Marvel Bronze Age. I'm your host, Billy D, and alongside me is my co-host, Herman Hannibal Lowe. How are you, buddy? <laughs>
0: Would you like some sweetmeats, Clarice? <laughs>
1: yes, yes.
2: Uh,
0: I, I, I prefer, uh, well, I presume you're referring to dr lector there right billy oh yeah absolutely <laughs> I, I was gonna go with i love it when a plan comes together <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, I <forgot> about that. <laughs> <laughs> oh
0: of course billy's referring to dr the esteemed dr lector because it's halloween mm-hmm. and uh, listeners yeah. if all goes according to plan you'll be listening to us on halloween because that's when this show will drop that's right we recently had a show right billy which was our halloween special but hey since we're generous and since we sort of haven't put out a show in ages um other than the previous one that i just mentioned we're releasing another bonus halloween episode because just just so much content and so many things you and i want to talk about isn't that right
1: Oh my gosh, yeah. You can't get enough of Halloween. The season is just, it's too short. It should be like two months long, the Halloween season, not just, you know, a few weeks here heading into uh, the holiday on the 31st. It should be much longer.
0: Yeah, man. I'm, I, am I'm even one of those people who, you know, like after Halloween when November hits, people are starting to gear up for Thanksgiving and Christmas. I'm like, no, <laughs> I still want to watch horror movies. You know, I, I want to keep going. I mean, not that I've been doing very well with my 31 Days of Horror. Listeners, for you uh, <laughs> folks out there who've been listening to our previous show, I've been bolsing up that assignment. But, you know, I'm going good guns now. I'm like, I'm 19 movies in. And since I've still got like five days left, I'm thinking, you know... Two movies a day, three movies over the weekend. Okay, this is this is insane. I'm probably not going to make it, you know, Billy, but hey, <laughs> the goal is there. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just hovering there. I'm, I'm thinking I'm going to give it a go, man. This weekend, I've got nothing planned. I'm going to do maybe even four movies on Saturday, four on Sunday. I'll be a zombie wow. at the end, but hey, that'll be, you know, appropriate for Halloween.
1: <laughs> yeah, who needs sleep? That's just true. You'll sleep when you're dead. Don't exactly,
0: worry about it. man. What's what's coffee for? <laughs> coffee and other mm-hmm. stimulants. <laughs> We're looking at you, Mister Engelhart. I mean, how did they, Billy? How did they meet their deadlines back then in the seventies? We, no, we know how. We
1: know. Yeah, we know how. Yeah, you know, Starlin would have his peyote. The other guys would have their mushrooms. That's that's how they got it done.
0: Definitely, dude. Definitely, I'm telling you. And uh, other than yeah they rather than going to the discos and and you know ecstasying it up, I don't know if they even had ecstasy back then, they were more like, "Oh, stay at home, you know, like let's get this done in this this drug induced haze of creativity, you know they were Alan worrying it up, <laughs> even though Alan Moore yep. wasn't a thing back then,
1: Alice D,
0: <laughs> that's what they were doing yeah they
1: were getting yeah, they were getting some speed,
0: <laughs> yeah, man, they were getting all the things they needed to get give us the wonderful comics that we so love. And we're happy they mm. did it. Thank you. <laughs> of course, some people oh, didn't got- need it. You know, Mr. Gerber. No, no, no.
1: No, no, no. Yeah, some people are just naturally high. That's, that's okay. <laughs> okay. So,
0: um, uh, listeners, as we mentioned, our uh, bonus special is here. We're discussing two comics again. That's our normal, the normal way we roll, right, Billy? Um, I'm going to let mm. you introduce these issues. Um, they don't really have a theme other than, you know, horror Uh, but, um, you know, they're not part of our normal Dr. Strange discussions, but there's one that definitely, you know, links more to the Marvel weird, wacky universe than the other. The first one I'd say is more straightforward horror, you know, full on 100% balls to the wall horror. But the second one is more in line with our weird into the, you know, weird, wacky discussion. So Billy, what are these two issues that we'll be talking about?
1: Okay, so the first one is giant-sized Dracula number 4. And this is uh you know, it's in some ways it's a typical, you know, Dracula comic book, and in other ways it's a, a big departure from a typical Dracula book, but we'll we'll get into that more uh, <laughs> in a few minutes, but like you said, the second comic we're going to be talking about is more in line with Into the Weird because it's got a horror character, but it's also got a superhero character and a ridiculous uh villain and then uh you know it's got uh, our old buddy uh Jack Russell Werewolf by Night so Werewolf by Night 42 from, yeah uh, the late 70s there and it's got a special appearance of a uh, superhero so yeah that's that's where we're heading this episode
0: <laughs> That's right this is a momentous occasion because we've never talked Tomb of Dracula on Into the Weird and we've never talked Werewolf by Night and now we're doing both right Billy so um, uh-huh. And it's all obviously out of order. We're discussing, you know, we're not going chronologically. We've talked where, well, well we've talked uh, Tomb of Dracula and Long Box of Darkness before. But, you know, uh, being our favorite comic you know, book of the 70s, at least my favorite horror comic uh-huh. book of the 70s, I'd probably oh, yeah. put it, you know, on par with Swamp Thing. But, you know, because it was so much more successful than Swamp Thing, I think there's more to read. Uh, you know, so I would say Tomb of Dracula is definitely my favorite. What about you, Billy?
3: We'll be back after a quick break.
0: Ever wish you could sip cocktails and discuss great books with your friends while hanging out in a rundown piano bar? Here on the Literary Guys podcast, that's what we do. I'm Dr. Gordon McCallum. And I'm author Zachary Kellyan. Each month, we discuss books from two different views of modern masculinity, from both a gay and a straight perspective, from To Kill a Mockingbird, to future governors in the jungle trying to kill a predator. We welcome everyone to join our conversation on the good and toxic of what literature and pop culture have to say about masculinity. So pour yourself a drink and join us now for Season 3. Literary Guys. That's G-U-I-S-E. LiteraryGuys.com. I see what you did there.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I mean, the regular series, you know, we've sung the praises of Marv Wolfman and Gene Cullen many times. You know, people know Gene's my favorite artist. You know, he's, you know, your favorite Marvel artist and, you know, horror stuff. He's right up there for you as well. But of course, yeah. the giant size issues, you know, they they did a little bit different. They actually brought in, you know, different creators. Uh, for these stories and they didn't always fall in line with you know chronologically maybe what was going on in the book at that exact time so they kind of stand on their own a little bit but they're still you know wacky insane the the creators got the voice of dracula you know spot on compared to the regular ongoing you know so that's that's something to praise them about
0: yeah that's right that's a good point there you know other people must have been clamoring to write the count because this was in the, the height of his fame at Marvel, at least, and, and among Marvel readers and comic readers of all kinds. So, you know, um, he was a property that they could expand on, right, Billy? So um, since yeah. Marv and Gene were already overworked, you know, with their, uh-huh. uh, their um, stint on the regular series, they gave it to some other guys, and they did a really good job. I can't think of any giant-sized Dracula issue that I did not like, you know, Uh, even though it was not done by our favorite creator team. um, All of it was good. And it sort of, uh, like you say, it doesn't seamlessly fit into the Dracula timeline, but it's almost a a (laughs) what-if, you know? Like, what if Dracula was in, you know, uh, 1930s Depression-era America, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> rural, rural farm belt America. What if he was traipsing around uh-huh. there then? <laughs> oh, man, it's yeah. insane. But he, he was. I mean, of course, they they made this to be a part of the Dracula um, you know, history. Before, you know, Dracula's obviously awakened by, you know, his uh, descendant, Frank Drake, in the regular series. Uh-huh. There There were adventures that Dracula had. He wasn't just asleep uh from the 1900s onwards right after he was staked uh, you know in this in the novel uh that's mm-hmm. not the way it happened in the marvel universe so yeah i mean they they kind of had some freedom to play with the character because he's he's occupied such vast amounts of time you know 500 years um yeah. you know they could even do a story of him when when he was um you know still uh the vlad the impaler they could have done that too
2: yeah Mm-hmm.
0: And sometimes they do do that in, um, you know,
1: they did, the yeah. Dracula
0: uh, Black and White magazine, you know, Dracula Lives. So Yeah,
1: yeah, there's some pretty good stories in there. If yeah. People want to check them out. I have the Omnibus uh, Volume 3. I oh, yeah. think, if I'm not mistaken, that has the Dracula Lives magazines and the Tomb of Dracula magazines it does. in there. And it's, yeah, it's crazy good material, mm. crazy good. And it... all, Again, all different creators, sometimes Marvin Jean sometimes, uh, you know, uh, an artist, even like uh, John Buscema, I think there's some work yeah. in there. There's all sorts of different creators, but all top-notch guys, too. So there's never, you know, crazy. There's a crazy Steve Ditko story. You know? <laughs> yes. Oh, <laughs> we got to like, do
0: that insane. one. We got to do that oh, one, probably God, for yeah, Longbox. Or we could do that for Magazines and Monsters, Billy. <laughs> because. Something.
1: Yeah, that story is like a really, that story is a head trip, man. That story's crazy.
0: It's insane, man. Ditko, again, one of the guys who didn't need any stimulants you know any hallucinogens Mm -hmm. he's like kirby you Mm -hmm. know he he has it just it's in his blood (laughs) so yeah it was all
1: in his brain
0: yeah so you know giant size dracula uh number four one of our favorites right Mm -hmm. billy first before we get into it i want the listeners to to know a little bit about our history with this particular issue i'm gonna let you go first Mm -hmm. when did you pick it up and when did you fall in love with this issue because i know it's our favorite one of our favorites
1: yeah, I mean, you and I were talking off mic a little bit, and um, I was a little um, blown away to find out that this was the first giant size that we both uh, had acquired years ago. And for a long time, all I had was this giant size, and then the only regular uh, series issue I had that wasn't like a reprint was 25. Those were my first two, you know, two Dracula books. Uh, like I said, that weren't a reprint. You know, that's mm, a, mm. one that's a favorite of yours as well because mm, of Hannibal the uh, King. first appearance in that one. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I
0: shouldn't have given that away. Sorry, listeners. <laughs> but whatever. <laughs> another Hannibal. Yeah, and then I got, Ooh, another Hannibal, yeah, Billy. Uh-huh. You could have been referring uh, uh, to me, yeah. Hannibal King.
1: <laughs> yep. Yeah, I love that character. So, yeah, I mean, and I, like I said, I grabbed a couple of reprints too because I think in the 90s, there, early 90s, they did some. Uh, reprints and uh, that's how I got into uh, Tomb of Dracula and I was like oh boy I've got to get this and then I went crazy and bought the essentials and I've been slowly grabbing single issues I probably only have about 25 single issues maybe only 20 plus those reprints you know because they're getting pricey man that's you know I think people are finally in the last like maybe 10 years starting to give that title it's due Hmm. uh, where you know the price has been going up because people are finally giving it its due and realizing how awesome it is
0: yeah no that's true yeah i'm the same i am you know obviously i don't own a complete run of tomb of dracula i need i think 23 issues to fill up my run and for instance the first seven issues i have none of those uh but um you know obviously i've got the omnibuy that well the omnibuses they put out in the, the, the mid-2000s, I think it was 2007 or something, right, believe They came up with three yeah. big omnibi. And now I hear the new ones are similar, but a little bit different. Just, um, you know, still the same content, yeah. just um, uh, a few tweaks, extra, you know, um, pinups and art in the back. But mm-hmm. I haven't I haven't double-dipped. I just don't want to have like six, you know, OmniBuy <laughs> uh, on my shelves. It's just uh, too much, but... You know, I I have been picking up the Ultimate Collections, the kind of like Marvel uh-huh. epic size trades they've been putting out. That that's a nice way to yeah. read it. They they you know had an um, uh, earlier go at printing it in trade, but they you know after volume three they sort of uh, when they realized they were going to do epic collections and so forth they stopped doing that. But you know yeah, you that can find me off.
1: Yeah, it did, man.
0: <laughs> we were collecting it what up to <laughs> trade number three, and then suddenly nothing. Yeah. So I, I like those trades, though very well bound, and you know the the yeah. art's great, but you know the the recolored art, I should say. But um, my mm-hmm. favorite way of reading *Tomb of Dracula* since the early two thousands have always been the essentials, because mm-hmm. I love Colin's art in black and white. So I've got the the four essential volumes. I think. Right, mm-hmm. but you also have some of them. The first three reprints the the series proper as well as the giant sized issues, but the fourth one sort of reprints yeah. the the uh, magazine, you know, uh, Dracula Loves <laughs> issues and all the miscellaneous appearances and and that was amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, um, yeah. no no Monti- Montezzi formula, but you know you can get that in a trade. <laughs> For me, yeah. it should. I mean, if I if I had to pick my ideal tomb of dracula third omnibus i should say i would pick the uh, one that they included you know all the dracula lives all the giant sized ones all the magazines Mm -hmm. i mean and then obviously the montesi formula storyline from dr strange
1: yeah even throw in those uh issues he did he made appearances in the
0: uh in the x-men series
1: too yes that was a blast
0: oh man i love those love those issues Mm -hmm. yeah they should have put that in yeah, um, because oh, well well they, they might in the future, we never know. I mean it gets reprinted every ten years or so in a in a different format. Yeah. So we'll see what happens in the future. But definitely, yeah, things have been getting more expensive, you're right, Billy. This issue though, mm-hmm. I can't remember exactly when and where I was when I picked it up, you know, but I, I had it since the, the early eighties or the mid eighties I should say. It was just sitting mm-hmm. on a spinner rack somewhere. It, it had to have been that because, you know, I was getting most of my comics from corner stores like you guys. We didn't have any comic book stores or even hobby mm-hmm. stores that sold comics back then. So, you know, yeah. I had my comics from my uncle, you know, which was gifted to me. And then obviously there were a few Tomb of Draculas in there. But then I started to buy Tomb of Dracula because, you know, I found them on the shelves probably like, yeah, uh, mid 1980s. They started showing up on the shelves in, uh, or on the spinner racks, I should say. And then I started buying them, and this must have been one of them, you know. So I picked it up, and I wa- I remember I wasn't at all put off by the art being not being colon, you know. I remember I, I I loved the the art in this one because there's so many disturbing scenes of horror, and Don Heck obviously a master of horror from the 1950s onwards. I mean, if if you <laughs> want to check out some of his horror stuff, I don't know if this is still in print, but Craig Yo, you know, from Yo Publishing, he's been doing all of these old pre-code horror you know that's in the public domain he's got like one volume called horror by heck and you'll see don heck cut his teeth as a horror artist yep so he's back in his element right billy Mm -hmm.
1: so um yeah Yeah, i mean yeah definitely like to me i think first and foremost i always think of him as a horror artist and then you know his uh time on the avengers there in the silver age as well
0: Oh, yeah, of course. But, yeah. Uh,
1: yeah, he's he's definitely a big-time horror artist for me. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. And this uh, particular story uh, that he drew, you know, has a lot of his trademark <laughs> horror, you know, uh, which is sort of like rural horror, if I can call it like that, you know, like almost like folksy horror. But, you know, he's, mm-hmm. he, he draws great farmers. He draws great, you know, folks of the land. <laughs> if I could These are people of the land. Gene Wilder from Blazing Saddles.
2: <laughs>
0: you know, um, okay, I don't want to say that. That's not true. You know, people from the land are not all morons, <laughs> but you know, the people in this issue kind of are. If you think about it,
1: yes, yeah, very uh, simple-minded for sure. <laughs> yeah,
0: and that's probably what affect what 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 um, leads to them. You know, well, to all the horror that that comes out of because they're weak-minded, they're easily swayed. By the horror we find mm-hmm. this is. now Billy at first I was thinking you know because when I read this issue I was not a lovecraft fan I had not even read HP Lovecraft when I was a kid you know like 10 years old when I read this issue or or I, I don't know how old I was like eight nine ten but um I have been reading Stephen King so you know I didn't associate this issue with Lovecraft at all and I still don't even though mm-hmm. you know I mean we we it looks lovecraftian if you look at the cover. Because again, there's like this giant formless entity. But when you read the issue, it turns out to not be the case. You know, this is something totally new, and we're gonna get into that when we discuss it. But I was, we we've been having too much Lovecraft lately, I think. (laughs) You know, so I was kind (laughs) of pleasantly surprised. You know, again, because you know, in my mind, I sort of, you know, I haven't read this issue in a while. I sort of associated with Lovecraft a little, yeah. Ever since I started reading it, but then when I reread it, I was reminded, no. This is something totally different.
1: Something different, yeah. Yeah.
0: So, um, Billy, let's get into this. Uh, you're going to give a synopsis for Giant Size Dracula number four. I'm going to tackle the werewolf by night one. Let's mm-hmm. get this
1: ball rolling. Okay. So, yeah, like I said, Tomb of Dracula, Giant Size number four. It's uh, written by David Anthony Kraft, And uh, the book actually gives a co-plot assist to Marv Wolfman. And then you have Don Heck... Uh, pencils and Frank Springer is the inker Petra G Petra Goldberg our buddy there as the colorist and Artie Simic as the letterer okay so let it bleed begins with Dracula tossing a man he's bitten overboard a passenger ship before anyone can help the body is swept under the props and cut to pieces a woman Beverly Carpenter shudders at the incident but Dracula assures her that it wasn't a foul deed but instead suicide. The scene changes to a docile area in North Dakota and a man thinking to himself that he's happy he left the life in the bustling big city for the stress-free life in the country. Just as he's finishing the thoughts an axe comes down on him and ends his life. Later Beverly Carpenter and her boyfriend arrive at her family's home. Her mother died a few months earlier so her father sent her on a trip to get away from the sorrow and pain. As she returns, though, he's not happy to see her and rebukes her. She tells him off, and the two leave. Oh. Meanwhile, Dracula steps off a train in the same town, Devil's Lake, where he, where Beverly lives. He immediately sets his sights on two young lovers cavorting in a nearby park. <laughs> the man is a coward and runs away at the sight of Dracula and leaves his girl from behind to be drained of blood by the count. That same night, Dracula bumps into Beverly and her boyfriend, and she invites Mr. Drake to stay at her father's house. The three then depart, but her father has gone to the local church for help. He confesses to the priest that he's had murderous urges and not only killed animals, but people as well. The priest is then overcome by one of these urges himself and attacks Paul. But Paul manages to fight him off and get away. Dracula then excuses himself from the living room where Beverly and her boyfriend are and immediately turns into bat form once outside. He can feel a malevolent presence and seeks it out. He makes his way to a monolithic stone that is the size of a small mountain. He descends inside and finds a cult and a giant pulsating, sentient heart. Okay, Herman, that's where I'll leave off so we can uh, do our thing here. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Great, Billy, great. We don't want to give too much away. Alright, so um, my thoughts first. Okay, uh, the cover, amazing, by the way. You know, I I was a little bit confused by the cover, Billy. Like I say, I, I used to always associate this huh? with Lovecraft, In you know, once I encountered Lovecraft, because the, the arteries of the heart seem to be wrapped around this girl and Dracula's trying to pull her free from this heart's clutches, you know. And, yeah. um, but, you know, on on reflection, obviously this doesn't happen in the issue, but it, the cover could be more like, you know, she's been absorbed by the heart and he's trying to, you know, rip her out of it. So, you know, it's yeah. got nothing to do with Lovecraft actually, but because there's a tentacle, <laughs> which isn't a tentacle, <laughs> it's an artery, I yeah. sort of, for some reason in my mind, sort of after I read it the first time as a kid and then reread it much later after I became a Lovecraft, Mark, I sort of associated this, this issue with that, but it's not. Um, mm-hmm. Fantastic issue. There's so many scenes that stuck in my young mind from the very first scene of Dracula throwing this victim of his off the <laughs> the, the cruise ship and this the expression yeah. that Heck puts on this guy's face and the very clearly, you know... Um, Drawn or uh, penciled two, you know, holes in the guy's neck. By you know marks, that that's yeah. bleeding, and then him falling into the 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 ocean. And I think this was one of the very first times as a kid reading something that I think my dad or somebody or uh, an older cousin explained this to me. Uh, you know, when you fall into the water off off a cruise ship, you're gonna get sucked into the propeller. <laughs> <laughs> you know oh yeah so it's not always like oh i'm jumping off this cruise ship no 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 <laughs> that's not the way it happens you know if it's if it's moving at a steady pace and you don't swim fast you know if if you hit the water if if you even survive that you know if you don't start swimming right away yeah. you're going to get sucked in <laughs> you know so it happens in this issue and uh yeah. you know th- this girl Beverly she witnesses it and all the passengers in fact witnesses it happening so very gruesome and then Billy another scene that stuck in my mind is obviously the, the the numerous instances of just just normal people start you know for for no reason just start killing people you know you've got this right. Anton Nberg guy on the farm he used to be a screenwriter for Hollywood or something <laughs> where did you get that from mr. Kraft
2: <laughs>
0: anyway I think Anthony had some aspirations back then. <laughs> mm-hmm. Which might have come true. <laughs> but, um, you know, he gets murdered by, by you know, it turns out to be Beverly's father mur- murdering him. And then, of course, yeah. you know, Beverly's father becoming all murderous with her mom, chasing her out into the snow and trying to strangle her, yeah. causing her death. Mm-hmm. That, that you know, is the impetus for Beverly to come back home to visit her family. Um, yeah. And then, of course, the priest <laughs> who tries to murder the guy <laughs> who's sort of confessing, <laughs> to a murder <laughs> uh-huh. hardcore priest there and then of course the yeah. scene with the bird Billy as a kid that really stuck in my mind because uh. we had birds you know at home we had some parakeets and you know some of them were pretty tame they would sit on your fingers some would bite the living hell out of your your digits if they could <laughs> but you know there were some a few nice ones we would you know pit them a little and you know yeah. um, they, 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 were, they were tame you know their wings had been uh, clipped a little so they couldn't fly away and you know the fact right. that this little innocent little soft creature is being held in the hand of this this rough farmer and just like crushing it, oh man, mm-hmm. that really stuck with me as yep. a kid. It disturbed me.
1: So lots of yeah, it's, ins- it's very jarring. Lots
0: of horror panels in this this comic book, and then of course the story makes almost no sense because what it is, it's it's the the ancient spirit of a of a Sioux Indian shaman. Committing (laughs) centuries long protracted suicide, (laughs) but in the interim, he's morphed into this giant heart. (laughs) Oh, and a town was built around him. (laughs) I mean, Uh oh, it's insane. Devil's Mound, right? That's where he's located. Everything in this town, Devil's Lake, is called Devil's Something, right? Uh Devil's Mound, you've Mm -hmm. got Devil's Lake. And there's the mm-hmm. I think it's the, the the one is called Devil's Basin or something, or the devil's Shroud yeah. you know, Billy there's yep. there's lots of places landmarks in this town bearing the name of the devil. but this is not a devil. Yeah. This is an, an ancient Indian sh- uh, you know shaman who wanted mm-hmm. to extend his life through blood magic, right? So yeah. you know he he did, but he morphed because of the that black magic he was using. he morphed into this giant mm-hmm. living, pulsating heart. And he felt, yep. uh, for some reason. I mean, this is just what Dracula absorbs from this guy's mind, you know, because that's that's sort of like a huge plot hole in this story, Billy. We'll get to that in uh, when we talk about that. But Dracula's privy mm-hmm. to this information at the end just by being near this thing. Mm-hmm. So, oh, and yep. there's there's an instance, Billy, of a dog being killed by the farmer oh. by Bev's uh, dad with a pitchfork, and it turns it's out it was awful. a puppy.
3: It was a puppy. Oh, oh,
0: so many scenes of horror in this. So, so what about Jubilee? Like, um, just off the bat, I mean, obviously, there's a lot, of, lot of uh, you know plot holes and a lot of um, missteps that we'll get to later, but we can talk about some now. The one thing that I want to ask you about is, I don't really understand exactly how you know the power of this heart works. Basically, it can call people to it, or it can induce. <laughs> insane acts of violence and murder you know Mm -hmm. in the hearts of normal people and then they will perpetrate that but it also seems to be able to resurrect the dead (laughs) right and turn it into zombies and uh, zombies that serve its will and and it's all about sacrifice because okay if you think about it you know listeners a bleeding heart right oh someone's got a bleeding heart that means you know they're pining after someone or they're you know they're you know, very uh, emotionally attached to someone in a in a very, you know, uh, saccharine way. And um, in this case, though, <laughs> it's literally a bleeding heart. Yeah. <laughs> but it's also, you know, in the figurative sense, because it bleeds for this girl. You know, this, this mm-hmm. girl, Beverly, who sacrificed. Now, Billy, I want you to speak about that, because you and I discussed this on Twitter, DMing back and forth about a year ago. And there are mm-hmm. some insane things involving the dad and his daughter, you know, at yep. the end there. So let's mm-hmm. let's speak on that. What what's your impressions of this storyline, <laughs> this story?
1: Well, it does remind me of um, one of our favorite movies. Uh, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about it one day. Where uh, you know you got Peter Cushing, Christopher Lee, and uh, Kojak himself, um, where. You know, they're on the train in Horror Express. Oh, yeah. And there's this, like, alien, and he can control people's minds, and he can raise the dead. It kind of reminded me of that a little bit, you know? Yeah. Where this heart can, can do that, you know, and just, like, take over people's minds, you know? So it was, like, it reminded me of that a little bit. But the the scene that, like, really was <laughs> the top one for me was the guy going to the priest to confess his sins and then the priest becomes murderous and tries to kill him and he knocks the priest out with a candlestick. Yeah, <laughs> that and that was my favorite part. You
0: know, um that you know his wife knocked him out with a lampshade, you know, earlier. So, yeah. well not earlier a lot, uh, you know, uh, quite a while back when in he tried to murder yeah, her. Yeah, so yeah. Lo- lots of candlesticks on heads here, lots of lampshades, you know, lots of um <laughs> you know salt i thought at first you know it, uh, in the in the house it was a salt shaker or something <laughs> that she knocked mm-hmm, him out yeah. with uh yeah this candlestick man uh, now anybody who's gone to church and actually seen these ornate you know candle holders candlesticks yeah. they are heavy they are normally mm-hmm. very oh, yeah. very heavy and they're you know pricey they're expensive they're not always pure oh, gold yeah. i mean unless you're a catholic well, but <laughs> i mean
1: yeah, that's what I'm thinking. This looks like a Catholic priest, so they probably are made out of gold. They're probably worth more than my house. But, you know, yeah. that's another, that's, a, that's a conversation for another day. But, yeah, I'm sure they were heavy.
0: Exactly, <laughs> dude. And this guy, he repeatedly bashes this priest's brains in. And then later we see the priest, you know, he's dead, but he's a zombie and he looks fine. No uh-huh. head wound. <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. But, of course, you know, giant-sized Dracula did not go in for too much gore. You know, even though the 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 main title, Tomb of Dracula, did not do gore. You know, they were more about no. subtle horror and you know leaving it up to your imagination. But you know, I this this issue had two instances where they could have been a little bit more gory, right, Billy? Like the the part where the guy gets swept into the propeller, throw a dash of red in there, why don't you? And then yeah,
1: some red water. Yeah,
0: yeah. and then of course this this part where he they beat the people up, they beat them senseless. But, you know, I appreciate it that they didn't always show everything because this was not the Warren magazines. Op- this was still, you know, under the comic book code, even though they were already pushing the boundaries a little bit. But, yeah, um, I man, it. I loved it. I, you know, Don Heck's good at this kind of horror. He got pretty gory mm-hmm. in his pre-code stuff. But here yeah. he's sort of, the horror's is almost uh, pronounced more so than it usually would be if there was just straightforward gore because you kind of have to like imagine what's happening to these people, especially with the dog, man. I'm so glad they didn't show exactly what happened with the dog, although they did show a silhouette with this pitchfork um,
1: in the body. Oh, Oh, man, damn, damn you heck. (laughs) Yeah, that was just, I couldn't take that. I mean, that was really like, that was tough for me. What the heck, yeah. (laughs) But then your boy Dracula here with his smack talk, he was, and that's what I was saying with, you know, Dak and Heck and Frank Springer with the art and the story and all. They were still, Dracula was still Dracula in this story. There was no, they didn't miss a beat from, you know, the regular Tomb of Dracula mm, uh, mm, series. Mm. So when Dracula shows up in the, the mountain here to confront the heart and the zombie cultists, he just immediately puts his hand out and says to them, cease immediately humans Dracula commands you the girl is mine and they turn and look at him like his you know commands are uh, falling on deaf ears and then <laughs> her father he, he runs at them runs at Dracula keep away or die I will be free and Dracula just standing there while someone's lunging at him with a knife and says Dracula here's your senseless gibbering mortal but if you think to defy the lord of evil with a knife and you are a witless fool indeed. And he does his famous pimp slap and knocks the guy
0: Oh, over. man, he bitch slaps that guy so hard. That guy's like... I mean, the trajectory that he's heading for is down to the ground, you know? So he overhand slapped him <laughs> downwards. This guy's going to plow into the, the rocky face of this cavern. You know, he he's dead, but he's not, obviously. He's, he wakes up later uh-huh. on, but he's probably a zombie by this point because... <laughs> Damn, Dracula takes no prisoners here. But, I mean, look what he does to the next guy, Billy. He picks him up bodily oh, oh, and God. slams him into what looks like the heart, but it's probably oh, a rocky itself. wall that was, you know, miscolored as red. <laughs> but head first, the pile drives him into the wall. Splunch!
1: <laughs> and then throws his corpse or whatever at the, at the priest and the other guy.
0: <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow and then he yeah and then there's this psychic effect where he engages in in a mental battle against this um this heart dude dracula is on his he's he's on form in this issue i mean look at it earlier when he like when he's flying around and again the bat form that he's in seems to be able to talk (laughs) you know giving this epic (laughs) epic monologue he says you know okay the, at first he's flying over this devil's mound because he's located the source of what mm-hmm. uh, in his word displeases him the source of his displeasure yeah. because remember listeners this is basically <laughs> Dracula tracking down a force of evil that he sees as as a possible a hindrance rival. yeah as yeah. a rival a possible hindrance to that. his plans yeah so he's yeah, gonna and
1: I, and I love that. that that seems to piss him off more than. You know Quincy Harker trying to stop him. <laughs> yeah. if there's somebody else that thinks they're more evil or tough than him. He gets oh. really pissed off.
0: You know that yeah. happens a lot through the regular run too.
1: It
0: does. Billy, yeah, I, I mean Doctor Sun. Me. I love it. I
2: love it. He never backs he down.
0: Does. Dracula never backs down. If there's a force of evil out nope. there, I mean Quincy Harker and his gang, Frank Drake, mm-hmm. uh, Rachel Van Helsing, there and and Tops Taz, and all, yeah. they're they're basically just mosquitoes. They're annoyances to him. <laughs> he yeah. he dines them beneath. You know, he will play around with them like he did when he he killed Quincy's daughter. But he will not. Oh, sorry. Spoilers there to to anyone who hasn't listened to Tomb of Dracula. I apologize. I'll probably edit this part out. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Anyway, listen to last year's Long Box of Darkness Halloween episode. (laughs) Oh, damn. Yeah, we did say spoiler alert. (laughs) I think. I hope. <laughs> oh, well, the wonders of editing will have to, you know, uh,
1: we'll, take we'll, a stand we'll just, here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll put it in the show notes. <laughs> Spoiler yeah. Spoiler alert. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. <laughs> Retroactively
0: sort of covering oh, our yeah, the tracks. Bat,
1: the bat talking. Once oh. again, Dracula triumphs over foolish opposition. And now the fated confrontation shall be deferred no longer. And this is. A bat yelling this. Yeah.
0: You know, like, (laughs) I I don't know what exactly happens Uh, here, but as we know, Dracula, right, Billy, in the Marvel Universe, Dracula, he seems to Mm -hmm. be able to control the weather. You know, he has some Mm -hmm. control over the weather. He can bring down lightning strikes. He's done that numerous times. Mm -hmm. And um, it seems that this devil's mound, this heart that's located, this evil Mm pulsating giant heart, it it, located in this mound. It seems to be able to control weather as well because it sort of tries to to uh shoo away the little bat (laughs) which is dracula by (laughs) you know creating this bad weather and then dracula like he sees this as a challenge now he says like such an onslaught of the elements cannot repel the master of night and then it for suddenly some reason the storm disappears in one section and and then it must have been dracula because he says once again Dracula triumphs over foolish opposition the the line that you quoted right Billy so Uh what does that mean did he exert his own will on the storm I think he did
1: I I think so and then later when he's in the cave there and it's mentally attacking him and he says you know that it didn't work you can tell it's bothering him and hurting him you know there's panels there where there's like you know he's grabbing his head and stuff like that but eventually he you know overcomes that because he's I guess a a bigger badass than the heart
0: well, there's one part that he that sort of, um, you know, gives him pause. He can't seem to penetrate the psychic barrier that surrounds the heart. Mm. And Beverly, yeah. the girl that was kidnapped by her dad, and these other zombies that were either mm-hmm. killed by her dad or, you know, were just normal zombies or normally uh, hypnotized, folk, mentally, mentally controlled, mentally yeah. controlled they kidnap Beverly because they want to sacrifice her to this heart. And as it turns out, I mentioned this earlier, Billy, it's actually the heart trying to commit suicide because the sacrifice of Beverly would be the final linchpin in its uh, mm-hmm. centuries-long suicide where it's been killing people. Now, this is the part I don't understand. We'll get to that. But basically, yeah, it's, it's, been, <laughs> it's been killing the innocent or something so that it can get to the point where it will li- the heart will literally burst. So, So that's where it mm-hmm. gets to the whole bleeding heart thing. Every time I kill someone, the sadness of the death, of the murder, you know, sort of causes the heart to rupture and bleed, <laughs> which is, you know, the <laughs> bleeding heart. But I, I didn't quite completely, you know, they, they didn't sell me on that idea enough. Right. You know what I mean, Billy? But Dracula can't yeah. penetrate this barrier. You know, that's why he's he's almost, mm-hmm. but then, you know, he's almost helpless to do anything up until the last moment. Because, um, yeah. you know, this guy that he's just pimp slapped, like you said, yeah. The, the dad, he brandishes the knife and tries to then kill Beverly. Now, you'd think that this was the dad trying to sacra- to, to end his daughter's torment, you know, to avoid yeah. her being given to this heart. No, this is the heart firmly in control trying to kill this girl so that it can finally die. Huh? You know, the heart. So yeah. Dracula just goes... Insane. He goes crazy. He rips into these guys. I mean, look what he does to the priest and this this Nyborg guy, <laughs> Billy, in the next panel. <laughs> it's it's like he swings them around, you know, uh-huh. like battering them. He must have like used them as like bludgeons or slingshots or something. Yeah. And then Beverly, Absolutely. this is this is what makes it. This is what makes it even worse. Billy. Beverly wakes up and she regains her senses complete fully and she mm-hmm. sees her dad approaching yeah. her and she's like dad where are we what are you doing and this dad just has this horrible expression on his face <laughs> I mean yeah. that is the most like if you think about someone completely and truly possessed this is the expression they would have
1: it's it's the expression I have on my face at four o'clock in the morning <laughs> when my alarm goes off that's exactly <laughs> what I look like this guy right here
0: <laughs> damn <laughs> dude it is crazy listen it does remind me the expression on that face reminds me of someone in office billy someone someone i mean the the guy doesn't look at anything like him but look at the expression you you mentioned this is four o'clock in the morning this is a guy who was up four o'clock in the morning tweeting stuff tweeting some shit (laughs) and this is the expression this guy's got on his face
3: They, they look similar look at that
1: Yeah, and it's creepy, too, because, like I said, he's stone cold, like, in this trance and coming at his own daughter with a knife and, like, lunging at her. And you have Dracula trying to be the voice of reason.
0: (laughs) Yeah, what's up with that?
1: (laughs) He's trying to stop him, and he does kind of grab him at the last second, but it's just, it's too late. And, you know, he plunges the knife into his own daughter and kills her. And then you see, like I said, another time, it's not gory but it's like a silhouette of Beverly laying there with the knife in her. And then the money shot, which is, oh my gosh, a full page spread, you know, splash of the heart, you know, and it's basically, and it's death throes and there's Dracula, Beverly laying there dead, the father, and then <laughs> one of the other idiots that was trying to attack Dracula's laying there knocked out.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man, it's it's crazy. Like, okay, now you have to remember here, listeners, um, Dracula is... Uh, he manages to break through that barrier, right, Billy? Because he grabs the dad, mm-hmm. but too late, like you mentioned. Yeah. But Dracula is mm-hmm. not doing this. I mean, it seems like he's doing this at first to, to mm-hmm. save the life of this girl because he befriends yeah. her on the ship. You know, he's had mm-hmm. numerous opportunities to drain her dry, but luckily for her, she, he was sated every time he met her or every time they yeah. met up. So my point is he you, uh, you think as a reader that this is dracula being you know uh playing the the hero card a, a little a little bit he has done that in the past sometimes like notably when he was trapped in the snow yeah. with with rachel van helsing um mm-hmm. as you would remember for the from the proper series but you know here it, it at the end the very final page you know uh-huh. it it sort of throws that into the water that whole theory because he he was doing this uh-huh. because literally he just wanted Beverly for himself he wanted to drain her dry
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah yeah and because he says right billy you mentioned that earlier he says the 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 girl is mine <laughs> right you shall not have her right sacrifice her but billy right after that when he fails to save her and the dad plunges this knife into the breast of his own daughter and like you said there's this great little panel where she's screaming dad and then the knife goes in and it's too late and again heck shows this as a silhouette of murder just like he showed the dog you see the silhouette yeah. of beverly's body with the knife sticking out of it the next page billy is the money shot oh, that is some yeah. truly jaw-dropping incredible art from don heck here i mean it's it's it enraptures me looking at that panel I mean that single-page splash. What do we see?
1: Yeah, Yeah, it's just that giant heart itself, and that the only dialogue on the page is two little boxes, and one says "the fetid heart," and then the other one says "bleeds." (laughs) And then you turn to the next page, and sure enough, the heart starts like bleeding, and Dracula's like, "Get me out of here," because it's like almost bleeding on him.
0: That's right. And then
1: he stands there and, and watches it. And it just keeps shrinking down, down, down till it's like nothing left but a tiny little, you know, red spot on the ground.
0: That's right. And that's then, right. And of course,
1: all the people that were being mind controlled kind of just drop to the ground unconscious. Yeah. And then uh, Beverly's dad starts sobbing and he realizes what he did, you know, even though he wasn't in control of his mind, he still can remember what he did to his own daughter and then probably the wife and the animals and that poor sap that should have been in. New York directed movies or whatever. <laughs> and he says, he has this really pathetic look on his face. And he says, I want to die. And he looks at Dracula and says, please. And Dracula goes, you repulse me. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that is what you and I couldn't get enough of, Billy, last year on Twitter. We're back and forth on that. You know, that oh, is an amazing panel. Dracula and his lines that he delivers, the smack talk, mm-hmm. the... The, the utter inhumanity with which he deals with, with humans and you know the mercilessness, you know, the unfeeling nature of this Lord of Vampires is just great. You know, he's even worse than Doctor Strange. <laughs> who's yeah oh, who's yeah. very unfeeling. Dracula takes that to the next level somehow. So yep. you know, yeah, he just you know, he says like that you you know, whatever, you you know, do what you must. And then he says he's human just, emotion. Yeah, yeah. Billy, you, you you quote this one.
1: He says, human emotion, like human life, has value or meaning only in how it may be exploited. (laughs) Murder means nothing to Dracula, but my motive has never been mercy. And he walks away, turns into a bat and just flies off. And then uh, Beverly's dad pulls the knife out of his own daughter's corpse and then takes his own life. And then just Dracula flying off into the the moonlight.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. Now, this is a very nihilistic... (laughs) ending here yeah. Billy because listen to the words of the narrator you know who mm-hmm. could be Dracula himself we don't know but I, I obviously it's not yeah. because they say dark some words and then um, the narrator says Don, well obviously this is uh, David Anthony Kraft saying agony mm-hmm. is man's abysmal heritage his scourge in life and his reward in death and I think this was Dracula's thoughts though, because the final panel says the thought passes and with it a winged blood gaunt disappears into the dwindling night. <laughs> Great writing from David Anthony Kraft, but so depressing. Yep. This is is this his view? Uh, probably not. I mean he probably put him into the shoes of a horror writer because his defender yeah. stuff is much more upbeat, right? Billy, it's much more yeah. <laughs> in line with Marvel's, you know, uh, philosophy. But this, man, this will yeah. induce suicide. In people who are on the brink, I think. Or... Yeah,
1: maybe he was having a—he wasn't having a, a, a good old time at this point in his life, you know. And he wanted to write something a little more dark. So, yeah, you know, that's you know, people all do that. They go through phases. So maybe at this point, he was just not feeling the the happy side of life. You know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah a, that's okay yeah. too. Yeah, this is a wild story, but I love it. Like you said, this is—it was the only giant size I had for a long time. So, I read it dozens of times and yeah. I always loved it, especially that splash page with the giant heart. Yeah. Uh, that just blew me away when I was younger. Loved yeah, it.
0: That's right. Two thoughts, Billy. Um, one thing I liked is the, 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 the page just before the final page, uh, where it seems that Dracula was meant to bear witness to, to this pulsating heart's story and the end of its hor- you know, uh, horrible life. Because um, I don't know if the heart planned it that way, but you know, for I think for the heart, it's it's sort of uh, bittersweet because it seems that at the moment of death, it sort of imparts its history and thoughts directly into Dracula's mind. You know, as it dies, uh-huh. it it shrinks into this small little blood clot, <laughs> right, and then just disappears. Yep. So this this mm-hmm. giant heart suddenly, you know, just um, pulls in into itself like a you know like a singularity or something. And then Dracula is privy to its thoughts and that's where we learn that this heart, the origin of this heart is it was a Sioux shaman who used blood magic to extend his life to become immortal, but that, you know, the evil of it morphed him into this giant pulsating life form. And then it's been trying to die by sacrificing people, by literally killing it, people in order to induce its guilt to become so much that the heart will rupture. And that's what in fact does happen. Now that is very strange to me, but I kind of like that the end that Dracula sort of um, becomes one with its mind. and there's this great panel where you see half of the panel is the heart, and half of the panel is Dracula's face as their yeah. minds merge, and Dracula suddenly understands the full you know import. Now if you think about it, none of the villagers know, none of them ever know, because no. basically no. all of them are dead except for the dad, and then he commits suicide at the end. So, this story is solely Dracula's. So, he'll probably write about it in one of his journals, (laughs) you know, which which he does sometimes. We'll get to that, listeners. He does. But, but, you know, um, what I mean is, you know, he doesn't care. Because even though this is a very singular kind of horror tale where this origin that I've never encountered before uh, happened, Dracula doesn't care. You know, he's witnessed this creature's existence but he's greater in his own mind. So this is just like a footnote for him in his long mission to, to dominate the earth. And um, I found that kind of interesting, you know, like the, this, this like-minded creature of evil sort of wants Dracula to, to know. You know, it's kind of like the thing is like when someone dies at the end, they quickly want to connect with someone. You know, you have that in soldiers who die on the battlefield, right, Billy? Before they pass yeah. away, they, they want someone to connect with. They don't want to be alone. You know, like, uh, I mean, you you know, I'm a big war buff. So stories of World War One is full of like German soldiers or, or, or allied soldiers who, well, you know, um, uh, soldiers from France or or Britain dying on the battlefield. And then, Uh you know, um, they call out to the enemy, they call out to them, hey, hey, man, come over here, you know, like, you know, come, come have a chat, you know, (laughs) because Uh they don't want to die alone. Even the enemy is comforting to them at the end. So, yeah. you know, this is kind of the, the similar effect. Uh, and he, this farmer guy is asking Dracula to kill him, you know, at the end. Mm-hmm. there. Like, I want to die,
3: please.
0: <laughs> so Dracula <laughs> sort of compounds his suffering by saying no to him, right? By, like you said, yeah. he repulse me, but he flies away. So letting this guy do the deed himself. Great story, Billy. Wonderful, yeah. wonderful tale. But, you know, obviously there are some missteps that, you know, we need to get to. In terms of yeah. plot and so forth. All right, so Billy, we'll leave that for later, though, because um, mm-hmm. you know normally we do both issues together: the Mighty Marvel missteps and the Bronze Age Brilliance. In our next mm-hmm. segment, uh, now we get to another tale that you and I have had some history with, and I'm going to let you talk mm-hmm. on your history with this comic. Um, you know, maybe we should do that first. World of night Number Forty Two, uh, Billy. Am I right in saying that you have actually? talked to don perlin the artist on this issue i mean the creative creative team is like gold here it's doug munch one of our favorite writers don perlin the artist archie goodwin Mm -hmm. the editor so you know you're going to get good stuff here and um george russo's on colors i wanted to ask you i mean you've got a story associated with this issue you used to be a more i mean now you, you still blog but you used to have a lot of blogs in the past. We're talking about maybe five or 10 years ago where you used to interview creators. So you actually mm-hmm. had a discussion with Don Perlin about this Werewolf by Night number 42. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, so um, one of the things I did you know, when I first got on social media, uh, different outlets, was look up uh, comic book creators you know, from Bronze, Silver Age, you know, whoever was still around and he was a guy that was still around, and you know he still is to this day. I think he's in his nineties now, um, but he still pokes around. And I became friends with him, and uh, you know on social media. And uh, I, I just couldn't. <laughs> this is a story. You know, we're going to talk about forty-two, and then you know down the road we're going to talk about the uh, the next issue as well, because they tie together, and uh, it's like almost like a two-parter, and they're just absolutely crazy. And what I did was I took one of the funniest panels and put it on social media, and then tagged him in it. And he responded almost immediately, uh, and <laughs> had a good laugh about it. We both <laughs> laughed about it and talked about it. Um, it was just this book. You know, you and I will get into it, that. It's just the the Doug Munch and Don Perlin. I wouldn't say they took the book in a completely different direction, but they definitely did change it. You know, it, it definitely became a little more lighthearted when they took over compared to the previous uh, creators because it was really a horror, uh, straight-up horror book yeah. until they took over. And then once they took over, it got a little more, you know, superhero-ish. And then, of course, you know, with the book, you know, it's it's it ends an issue after this one. So it was... You know, not doing so great numbers wise, so they start pulling out all the stops and you know guest appearances, guest and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, to try to help it, which is you know, it's it's what you got to do to try to keep something going. But uh, it, it gets so zany here at the end, you know. But that was great having that uh, conversation with him. He's a really nice guy.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah. You know, um uh, it's funny. This is early days for for Doug Munch. Uh, of course, Perlin could draw anything. He's known as a superhero artist, but you know he. Can draw some horror as well. Whenever he, they ask him to to fill in, or or he needs to to fill in on one of these books, but you know, Munch uh, he became a much darker writer later on when he started do to do Moon Knight and Master of Kung Fu. Now, of course, Moon Knight deb- debuted in the pages of Werewolf by Night, um, mm-hmm. uh, and he was the one of the Werewolf by Night's enemies. You know, like a werewolf hunter. Yeah. But um, mm-hmm. uh, so you know, even then, Moon Knight was written in a lighthearted. Uh, way Not always very lighthearted, but you know, nothing like the Moon Knight we got when Sienkiewicz and Munch uh, got their oh, Moon Knight yeah, series no. rolling. I mean, that's, oh my God, Billy, we still have to do that. That that's That hardcore. is not in yeah. line with Into the Weird. I'd say that is more Long Box of Darkness, Magazines and Monsters territory because, yeah. damn. But my point is Munch started off as, a reg- as just a normal Marvel writer. Even, he was even great back then, but like you say, very lighthearted, unlike his later stuff. And, um, you know, they took it from a horror title to a more superhero title, like you say, because of sales. But also, you know, because, you know, um, I think they saw something in the character that needed to be preserved. It didn't work because two issues after this issue, it, the, the series ended. But I think they, they like you say, they tried. They, they tried different ways of keeping the title going. Now, I, yeah. I for one, I'm, I'm, I've never actually, I, I've, I've loved Werewolf by Night. I'm, I love Mike Plougue. You know, but once Mike Plug mm-hmm. left the book, I sort of, I was a little bit upset. And, um, you know, sometimes you get upset, you stop buying stuff and st- stop trying to pick stuff up. Yeah. So for me, for the longest time, Billy, I was only collecting the Plug issues that I could find. And then later I tried to fill up the run. But I just, uh, you know, I, I gave up and I just started buying the Werewolf by, by Night collections. And I bought the Omnibus, yeah, which came out like a couple of years ago already. And that has everything uh-huh. of the Bronze Age, Werewolf by Night, in it. And, um, you know, so I was reading it then and I gave up trying to collect the series. So I actually don't own this issue. You know, I never owned this issue, even uh-huh. when I was a kid. This is like something I, I read maybe 10 years ago or something, you know, when I got okay. the, um, you know, the
1: omnibus. the
0: omnibus or not 10, well, like eight years ago. I don't even know if the omnibus. Yeah, it was eight years ago or something. The omnibus was fairly yeah, I recent.
1: I think that's only like maybe about five years ago. Oh, okay.
0: Out. Okay, then I'm completely, yeah. you know, off of off my rocker here because, but it, <laughs> I, I I read this story fairly recently, you know, for an old guy like myself, you know, going on 45. I'm This story is definitely, uh, you know, I don't associate it with my childhood at all, you know. So it, right. it was a, a pleasant surprise <laughs> because it features one of the horror characters in a situation that's completely <laughs> not horror at all. <laughs> Even though there are sort of <laughs> horrific implications at the end there with what the villain is doing, it's still not yeah. horror. <laughs> you know what I mean, Billy? Like, no, no. And I like to see some of the Marvel, because Marvel's known for that. You know, they take Dracula, yeah. they put them in the X-Men. You know, they have the Frankenstein monster, you know, meeting yeah. up with Ben Grimm, or a version of the Frank Frankenstein monster, at least, you know, meeting up mm-hmm. with Ben Grimm in, in John Byrne's Fantastic Four. I like that they do that sometimes. And um, mm-hmm. you know, in this case it's a perfect synergy, you know, of superhero yeah. meets horror character. Oh, yeah. So uh. we'll talk more of that about that as we discuss the the issue though. Um let me just call up my notes here, Billy. I'm gonna give the listeners some of the details. Of course, this okay. is like I said, at the very end of the run, Werewolf by Night was going very strong there, almost on par with Tomb of Dracula, which reached seventy issues. Werewolf by night only reached 44 but the character was very very popular i mean far out distancing uh frankenstein you know the monster of frankenstein series that marvel was publishing yeah. at the time or or just mm-hmm. before this and um, you know uh, i i i would say this is the second most successful horror title that they had going right billy mm-hmm. would you would you argue yeah. that or
2: Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, Man I was, Thing. I would agree.
0: Man Thing. Yeah. I mean, was successful, but it, it, it. Uh, you know, didn't last. The first volume didn't last too long. The second volume did. I mean, if you put it all together, volume one and two, Man Thing could be seen as more successful. But Man Thing, not always horror. You know what I mean, Billy? No. The first yeah. couple of dozen of issues of Werewolf by Night was firmly trying to to keep it in the horror genre. You know. Oh yeah. So um. Uh, To give you some uh, more info on this comic, this was uh, written, of course, by Doug Munch, art by Don Perlin, inked by Don Perlin as well. Colorist, George Russo, the editor-in-chief, Archie Goodwin, and the cover artist, Billy, one of my favorites. I don't know. I've I've never actually talked to you about this guy. Dave Cockrum. Oh, yeah. Of course, you must like him. Who doesn't like Dave Cockrum? X-Men artist but of course before that Legion of Superheroes which was one of my favorites in the 70s Um, uh, great great artist not known for his horror but there were some issues that he drew of X-Men that could be seen as uh, decidedly you know in the horror vein you know he had oh yeah for sure that issue where Charles and uh, this was in his later you know after John Byrne left and Cockrum came back he had this issue where Charles and Magneto's origin was told you know where they first met and it Mm -hmm. was this horrific Nazi, you know, Baron uh, Strucker, <laughs> you know, debacle. And there, there were yeah. scenes of horror in that because Charles goes into the mind of a Holocaust victim and he mm-hmm. sees these horrific images. So Cockrum can draw horror. That's my point. So oh,
1: yeah, he, he's a talented enough guy. He can draw any genre, but yeah, obviously most noted for superhero stuff and rightly so. I mean, his, his X-Men is off the wall, especially that first run. Oh my God! His character
0: designs, Billy. I mean,
1: yeah. most Crazy. of those
0: uh, X-Men, you know, Volume Two characters were designed for the Legion. Of course, people know this, mm-hmm. but uh-huh. um, you know, Cochrane created them, basically the designs, yeah. and then of course they were fleshed yeah. out by, by um, you know, the editor Roy Thomas at the time, and also of course Chris Claremont. But the initial designs, the initial concept, was all Cochrane. So yeah.
2: mm-hmm. amazing,
0: amazing creator. Um, mm-hmm. sometimes I feel he's underappreciated because he was overshadowed by guys like John Byrne and uh, now this is blasphemy but I actually prefer Cockrum's X-Men to Byrne's X-Men. <laughs> this is yeah, blasphemy well. but you yeah. too.
1: Uh, yeah, I do as well I mean, and mean again John Byrne and then you know Terry Austin Inking is an incredible combination their X-Men stuff too is you know the stuff of legend but if push came to shove I would take Cockrum and then part of that is he did a couple issues here and there of the Avengers as well. Oh, yeah. I think a couple of their, like, giant-size annual type ones, and, oh, they're crazy good, too. Yeah. So I love those, too. So that's another thing that pushes him a, a little bit of a head.
0: Yeah, that's right. That's me. right. We were yeah. we were spoiled there for a while, busy, Billy, because we got great writing from mm-hmm. Claremont all the time, and then you got guys like, of course, Byrne and, and Cockrum, and then after that, Paul Smith... And you know, um, yeah. every now and then an annual, and sometimes done by George Perez, <laughs> you know. So it's yeah. it's insane. I mean, we got we got lucky, and and Bilson Kevich even did a an mm-hmm. issue or two there of X Men, you know. Um, oh yeah. So uh, I don't know it's wonderful, wonderful stuff. I don't know, I man. Um, yeah, Cochran, great artist, great cover. I you know, this is a very superhero e cover. This is obviously the typical Marvel formula of a, 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 a you know. A first meeting between two superheroes and of course jack russell who mm-hmm. calls himself jack Ru- <laughs> russ jackson sorry at this point in time you know he's trying mm-hmm. to be a superhero basically because he can control his transformation yeah. now he's gone through the gauntlet you know even not it doesn't have to be a full moon it can be a quarter moon um and he can still be the werewolf And uh, the cover shows him and Iron Man involved in what we shall call a Marvel spat (laughs) between heroes when they first meet. They have to fight.
1: Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. That was the Marvel formula back then. It was like, you know, well, we'll, there's going to be a misunderstanding and our heroes will fight. And then, you know, they'll figure it out in a few pages and then, you know, team up. It's a a Marvel team up. It's just in Werewolf by Night.
0: Yeah. (laughs) So, I mean, it's easier than you think, Billy, because they're all in New York. They're bound to to mm-hmm. bump into each other, to rub shoulders yeah. or, you know, jostle each other in in, in a crowd. So, yeah, <laughs> you know, tempers can get heated when that happens. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
0: So anyway, this yeah. cover shows um, Jack Russell leaping at Iron Man and Iron Man sort of sprawling on the ground, looking scared, I would say. I mean, he's yeah. he's in a defensive position there somehow something knocked him on his butt <laughs> we'll find out later that was a garbage can lid <laughs> <laughs> it happens folks and it says beastman is uh, beastman versus iron man can the victor prevent the birth of a monster and then you've got this science fiction type effect in the background which could be this the birth of obviously the villain whom we'll learn mm-hmm. about later oh man talk about crazy villains oh, right there
1: get ready yeah
0: exactly <laughs> all right so I'm about ready for the synopsis okay here we go all right our comic book opens with Jack Russell werewolf by night leaping across the New York skyline intent on stopping a crime in progress perpetrated by the marauder and his cronies and then Iron Man enters the fray just as werewolf by night is about to pounce and take out these goons Iron Man has the same idea and they bump into each other and a battle commences. <laughs> the villains, Marauder and his ilk, stand by idly watching the um, debacle before they decide to just commence and rob the place and let the heroes have at it. Uh, Iron Man has this epic uh, battle with Jack Russell where garbage can lids are thrown about, repulsor rays are turned on <laughs> on <his> shoulders. <laughs> And um, obviously, Iron Man is getting the better of Werewolf by Night at this point in time when the Marauder decides to take a hand and blast Iron Man in the back. Jack Russell saves him, which means that they become instant friends. You know, all thoughts of of fighting forgotten. They decide to team up, but not before the Marauder makes good on his escape by blasting a weakened Iron Man and uh, Jack Russell into a wall. Iron Man recovers first, and he decides to fly Jack Russell to the Avengers' mansion for some tender, loving care at the hands of Jarvis, who turns out to be a huge fan of werewolves. (laughs) (laughs) While uh, being administered by Jarvis, uh, Iron Man decides to enter his Tony Stark guys and then uh, leaves a message for uh, Jack Russell to meet up with him the following night when they're going to take out the Marauder. Uh, We get a brief flashback of Jack and his girlfriend Topaz as Jack decides for the first uh, time to become a superhero by witnessing the crime and then changing, forcing the transformation, climbing up on the rooftops. After this flashback, we're treated again to uh, Jarvis and Avengers, Avengers Mansion where they witness Jack transforming from the werewolf back into his human form. Then we cut across to New York where the Marauder and his gang are flying away in a helicopter and we learn of his recent failures after he started to create uh, what was to be his you know, masterpiece, an android called the Tri-Man that was taken out by Daredevil. He decided to up the ante a little bit by improving the Tri-Man and p- throwing some animals into the mix. And no sooner is that done, you know, that thought's been uh, uttered than he commences to kidnap some animals from the New York Zoo. A gorilla, a <laughs> leopard, and a crocodile. A cheetah, actually. An old bum is the only witness to the strange scene of alien abduction by a helicopter. <laughs> uh, next, we see Jack Russell awakening in Avengers Mansion. Jarvis fanboys all over him and uh, insists upon witnessing Jack's transformation from human back into wolf form. Uh, Werewolf by Night takes off for his rendezvous with Iron Man, and they track the villain, the Marauder, down easily, because the guy literally set up shop in one of his old lairs, which Iron Man <laughs> encountered way way back when. Um, they crash the party, Iron Man and Werewolf by Night take out the goons, but they're too late, because the science experiment of animal-meeting-android is already underway and we're left at the end of the issue with Iron Man and Jack Russell and the Marauder now in the presence of his newest creation, the tri Man. <laughs> 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 and that wraps up the issue. Wow! Talk about wacky premises. Crazy Marvel Bronze Age stuff. This definitely one of the ones that, you know, is right up there, you know, with uh, the into the weird aesthetic. Yeah. Right, Billy?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, the very last thing you see is this insane Tri Man, And <laughs> yeah. the text blurb at the bottom says Next issue the incongruous combo of Werewolf by Night and Iron Man as they desperately battle the terrible threat of the Tri and the <laughs> like, Yeah, okay. Like oh, this man. is you know, the, uh, Galactus at this point has tried to take over the world, but look out, here comes the Tri-Animan.
0: <laughs> man, it's crazy. Billy, you know, before we get into it, I was doing some research at the time, you know, uh, well, I was doing some research to find out why exactly did they pair up uh, Werewolf by Night with Iron Man. And, you know, it was definitely a sales decision because for some strange reason, well, not strange, I mean, Iron Man's always been popular, but he was selling great guns at this point in time you know so more than two hundred and fifty thousand copies a month on iron man so you know they probably had their pick you know they could have done you know a spider-man werewolf by night they could have done you know a cap captain america Mm -hmm. Uh, a team book would have been hard but you know to throw them into with the avengers it would have been it seemed weird but all of those comics were selling well at that point in time iron man though selling really well they decided to put him in these pages, and um, uh, you know, <laughs> we got a great and uh, you know insanely bizarre story out of it, so I'm glad they did. I mean, uh, Werewolf mm-hmm. and Iron Man, it just doesn't go together. Like you say, it's totally incongruous. That's the, the blurb they give us. Yeah. But it works in these pages. I mean, somehow Munch and Perlin make it work, right?
1: It's good humor. Oh, yeah, yeah. and it's good mostly for humor, which is fine, too, but there's no way if this couldn't be humorous because... The Mass Marauder is like one of the biggest idiots ever. So you know, it's just like an goofball guy that has like you know a laser pistol and shoots a like eye beams out of a thing, hypnotic eye beams, or no, yeah, blinding. Has these like optic you know, effects. Goons that yeah wear these <laughs> uniforms that look like his. It's just the guy's a complete idiot. And I mean, he can you know gets beat up by everybody. It's just you know even <laughs> just street level people like Daredevil beat him up. And yet, you
0: know, so. <laughs> yet, he's got super science, Billy, at his disposal. He's, a, some, he's like mm-hmm. you say, he's an idiot, but he's also a genius. He can create yeah. androids on par with, you know, the mad thinker, you know, and then yeah. his androids obviously are not that great, because like you say, Daredevil can take them out, but uh, and no offense to Daredevil fans out there, Dare, Daredevil's taken out some really powerful opponents. I love that about him, you know, he's kind of like the, yeah. you know, he has to sometimes think his way out of stuff like Spidey does. But, yeah, you're right. And now he's got the science that sort of blends animal with Android. And, you know, yeah. he creates this hybrid creature at the end. So he does have super science. He's a, he, he could be a big gun. If only he would stop making these stupid decisions, like working out of his previous lab, which was already busted yeah. numerous times by superheroes. That, I mean, literally, that's how they track him down. You know, Iron Man mm-hmm. says, oh, he's hiding out in, in his old location. So. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah, and then you got to love his name too, the old Marvel alliteration. Frank Farnum. Yeah,
0: Frank like... Farnum, aka the Marauder. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, lovely. Cool, yeah. 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 Oh. Now, Billy, let's talk about the epic garbage can alley garbage <laughs> lid fight between <laughs> Iron Man and Werewolf by <laughs> Night. This fight literally kicks off with them dropping uh-huh. in on each other. Now, we're not talking yeah. about dropping in here in the figurative sense, guys. We're talking here about Werewolf all finite is pouncing on these criminals. Iron Man's flying towards them. Boom. They yeah. hit each other midair. And then, you mm-hmm. know, they first have a what seems to be a five-minute conversation, right, Billy? <laughs> and then the Marauder and mm-hmm. his, his gang, too. We've got to take these guys out. And then, oh, no, we'll just let them take each other out. Because what yeah. happens? Iron Man immediately punches Werewolf all finite in the face. Mm -hmm. oh man Mm -hmm. Billy talk about this what's happening in this fight it's it's crazy
1: yeah I mean at this point uh Jack Russell you know for those that have might only read the early issues when he would just you know hey the moon's full and he'd go crazy and be uncontrollable and trying to kill people and stuff like that or even just end up in a situation where it just you know just happened to turn out he was you know the quote unquote good guy or hero by this point uh Doug mentioned Perlin had him uh, be able to control when he would turn into uh, Jack would turn into the werewolf and then he still has his uh, you know uh, his brains while he's the werewolf as well so you know you gotta love Iron Man he's supposed to be you know Mr. Smarty Pants Tony Stark and the werewolf is the voice of reason here he's like wait a minute I'm trying to stop these crooks too and Iron Man's kind of just like oh no you're a monster and just starts trying to beat the crap out of him and the whole time jack's trying to you know talk yeah. sense into him and be like no stop it you know i'm trying to stop this you know yeah guy from robbing this bank and iron man oh no you don't and then there you go they start fighting and zapping him. trash can he kicks out of him and picks up the trash can lid and smacks <laughs> iron man in the face and up against a wall with it
0: well, okay, in in uh, Shellhead's defense, right, Billy, he's been weakened by a recent fight, uh, you know, in his own mag, and he is actually going to, he's flying towards Avengers Mansion in the beginning of the tale for some R&R, you know, some rest and recuperation there, because he's saying he's looking yeah. forward to a, a quiet night yeah, yeah. of manning monitor duty or whatever. <laughs> nope, that's not what you get, Tony. You're going to get a full-on werewolf furball in the face. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Oh, love it. Okay, so one of the the best Marvel meetups, you know, first encounters where obviously they have to fight. I love the sound effects in this one. You've got Werewolf by Night smacking Iron Man around and we've got sound effects like wang, (laughs) scrape, you know, and then (laughs) Iron Man... Okay, Iron Man for for a guy who can take on Thor or Namor, you know, with uh, you know strength-wise, with you know in fisticuffs, I would say he relies way too much on his repulsors, his repulsor blasts in this battle. They seem ineffective too, right, Billy? I mean, a couple of times he blasts yeah. Jack Russell now, probably not at full force because he doesn't want to kill this guy. He mm-hmm. he's not a murderer. Yeah, but it doesn't seem to have much much effect. I mean, three or four full body repulsor blasts hit werewolf by night Mm -hmm. and one single blast from the marauder takes out both iron man and werewolf by night so just exactly how powerful (laughs) are your repulsors tony (laughs) you know damn maybe
1: maybe he needs to plug into the uh the wall socket for his uh recharge his armor like oh yeah yeah yeah.
0: (laughs) that's why he was heading back to (laughs) avengers mansion
1: man he's running out of juice
0: yeah, but still, a lot of, lot of uh, dialogue and exposition here. It's almost a little bit too wordy at times, right, Billy? Because right yeah. before Werewolf by Night passes out from what could be a concussion, Iron Man sort of has this well, there's this diatribe that he's giving him, right? Uh, about mm-hmm. bank robbery and a space shuttle and blackmail. <laughs> <laughs> you know, all of that. He, he sort of gives him the whole history of Iron Man versus the Marauder there. In, in a couple of panels mm-hmm. and then eventually the concussion just, you know, is too much and uh, Jack Russell succumbs to, you know, unconsciousness. But, you know, then Topaz and the cop show up and we learn that, no, Topaz was kind of stringing along because she, against her, her will, obviously, Jack decided to play superhero and, you know, while he was accompanying yeah. her in New York, he forced the change and ran after these these bank robbers typical just a normal uh-huh. bank robbery ride right, billy that he tried to foil and she's got right. two cops yeah. along for the ride but they can't you know find uh jack because he's being you know flown to the mansion so she's lost she's in, left yeah. in the dark and then man the best part of the book commences billy Jarvis meeting jack Jarvis meeting the werewolf <laughs> dude isn't that panel great when tony first knocks on the uh, the door of avengers mansion Jarvis is holding a a vase which he's been polishing, we don't know, but apparently it's a really expensive vase, probably so, donated by Stark uh, oh, no, Industries. No, really. Dude, and then Iron Jarvis Man is
1: polishing the vase.
0: Yeah, Iron Man very <laughs> sensitive towards Jarvis's uh, disposition here. Mm-hmm. He first opens the door just a crack. Right, Billy, just a crack and he says, "Jarvis, listen. Mm-hmm. Listen, I've got a I got a guest with me here. I don't want you to be alarmed." Friend a friend. And then Jarvis says, oh, <laughs> sir, what are, you, what are you going on about? I've encountered all kinds of creatures with you and the Avengers. This is nothing new to me. I can handle yeah. any shock. Nope, uh-huh. not this shock. <laughs> <laughs> Why? I mean, okay, Billy, now, when Iron Man opens the door, I mean, Jack's supposed to be in full control of his werewolf form, but the first thing that he says to Jarvis is, <laughs>
1: Jarvis yeah, is... we forgot to mention how earlier too. Oh when man, Jack was passing out. He tries to say his name and he says Russ. uh, Russ Jackson. <laughs> oh yeah. So then Iron Man he keeps referring to him as Russ. Oh so he man. Says, oh sorry. Come on in, Russ.
0: Come on in, Russ. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that, man. Iron Man calling him Russ Jarvis. the whole time. Ah, Damn. And and let's talk about this. I mean, Billy, the very you know, all the Marvel books in the seventies were prefaced in the very beginning on the very first page with the sort of like an introduction to the character, right? So we've got uh, my my yeah. favorite, of, of course, is the Master of Kung Fu. You know, call call me Shang Chi as my father did. You know that that kind of thing.
4: Mm-hmm. But but
0: every character, every team had it. Now I'm gonna read Werewolf My Knights To You" because this it makes absolutely no freaking <laughs> sense it starts with this listeners the tags Russell, with a jack in front of it it's the kind of name that fits a normal 19 year old dude living out in la not the kind you'd expect (laughs) to find slapped on a guy who spouted fangs fur and wolfish howls every time the moon ballooned full but I happen to have a father who was cursed by an arcane book called Darkhold. And on my 18th birthday, I inherited his curse. Stanley presents Werewolf by Night. TM. <laughs> <laughs> How do you trademark? Okay, first, trademark werewolf. No, probably not. Trademark werewolf by night. Okay, that's a trademark. Billy, it makes no sense. His name's Jack Russell, and he says not the kind of name you'd associate with a werewolf you're right jack Yeah, really (laughs) you'd associate that more with a weird dog
1: (laughs) a dog yeah (laughs) i mean when they were doing Uh naming conventions sometimes in the 1970s you know these creators were having a blast with all these goofball names and stuff like that i mean i'm sure some of them are very apparent like that one and some of them were maybe more in jokes in the office but
0: Oh, my gosh, yeah. Hilarious. That was crazy, man. I mean, oh man, yeah, yeah. They were having fun at their own expense, definitely. They were laughing at themselves, like you said, Billy, while they were doing it. And then, you know, okay, we get to... This is proof. Proof is in the pudding, right, listeners? Because here it goes. Doug Munch completely, you know, he knows he's writing a parody here of something. (laughs) This is very satirical Mm -hmm. of something, but I don't know what. I mean, he's satirizing the convention of superhero meeting monster here because Jarvis... (laughs) And and Jack have this weird uh, connection, uh, and Jarvis doesn't even mention that he's a monster fan or anything. He's just fascinated no. by this guy. And and by the way, poor Hulk, because Jarvis at one point in time says he's ne- he's had all kinds of characters drop by the mansion, but never a monster. What?
1: Mm. What about Hulk?
0: <laughs> what about the yeah. Thing? Okay, they would they would resent being called monsters, but you know, damn, probably he's... would
1: hurt the Hulk's feelings. Yeah. Oh yeah, you're right.
0: But come <laughs> on, he's seen his share of monsters. Yeah. okay so billy basically what happens is you know he's got him on the couch and he's nursing jarvis is is basically <laughs> nurse mating, uh jack he's feeding him
3: soup <laughs> he's giving yeah, spoon him, feeding him
0: spoon feeding him his patented <laughs> recipe which has probably been given to numerous recovering superheroes in the mansion
2: oh yeah
0: and um you know then um he's he hangs around and Jack says you know like he's I think Jack's being creeped out about this a little bit but not too much because he's Jack sort of puts his hand on Jarvis's shoulder there at one point in time right the
1: pampering yeah
0: Yeah, he's enjoying the pampering but Jarvis is hanging around and Jack actually asks him like why 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 are you hanging around you know and Jarvis is a little bit cagey about it you know he's he's not telling him exactly and then Jack sort of realizes why Jarvis is hanging around he says you want to watch me change is that it? And Jarvis says, uh Jarvis knows how creepy he's being, right, Billy, because he says, uh, uh-huh. uh, yes, sir. I I confess it is. <laughs> and then while Jack is changing, which is done in a very weird way because Jack is sort of like like zen buddhist kind of squatting on the ground there in a in a sort of the knees crossed, you know, he's going all beetles in in you know in yeah. in in, <laughs> in Krishna kind of position there um and he's saying that okay all right Jarvis here goes and he sort of forces the change and then as this is happening what does Jarvis say
1: <laughs> Jarvis is saying he says by jove sir this is really quite thrilling bravo sir bravo and he starts clapping
0: <laughs> he eggs on the transformation he by yeah. by 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 cheering him on he's he's clapping and then, you know, Jack is thinking and he's saying he doesn't know about the pain. <laughs> you know, the pain, the transformation causes him. But look at the very last panel on that page, Billy. Jarvis is literally, well, he's treating Jack like a dog. He's petting him. He's rubbing him. He's scratching his head.
1: Right? Good show. Good show, sir. Smashingly done. <laughs> That's what he
3: says.
0: And, and listen to listen to how much Jarvis has endeared himself to Jack. He says... The werewolf in me didn't like to be touched. Good thing I knew how to control it. <laughs> Jarvis <laughs> is playing with fire here. And then, you know, Jarvis, he so yells. Bizarre. Oh, man, it's bizarre. He leaves by the back door, and Jarvis is, he, he's probably never given a farewell to any of the Avengers friends like this. He says,
4: Farewell, sir! And he
0: raises his hand and screams it to the heavens Farewell! And then, oh man, that was the weirdest thing that I've read this entire month, Billy. And I've read some pretty weird (laughs) things in October, but damn, this is strange. They meet up uh, on the very next corner, it seems, Houston and 12th. Yeah. And then, you know, um, Iron Man flies him to the warehouse, which happens in a single panel. They're at this warehouse. And then we're treated to some pretty amazing art by Don Perlin here. We see these... Three animals, poor animals that were, were, you know, abducted by this, what, tractor beam in a helicopter? Yeah. Well done, Marauder. Right. You can create tractor beams, but you fly around a helicopter. I mean, where's your <laughs> hover ship or something? Where's your, like, you know, um, what what is called the the v, right. VTOL, vertical takeoff, VTAL, vertical takeoff and landing, you know, which S.H.I.E.L.D. had yeah. at the time. No, he's in a helicopter, but he's got a tractor beam. These three animals are in these tubes, right, Billy? Connected to this giant yeah. android, and somehow he's gonna absorb them into this android's body. Iron Man, right. Werewolf by Night—they they burst through the wall here, and they make short work of these these henchmen, right, Billy? I I mean I'm enjoying Werewolf by Night takes about takes out two at once, uh, by yeah. again you know pile driving this one guy's head into the other guy's chest. Iron Man. Punches this guy and we see a tooth flying. Did you see that? (laughs) Damn, this is a great fight. And, you know, Marauder's freaking out because he doesn't want his, his, you know, um, masterwork here to be interrupted. He's saying, keep them back. I need time for final adjustments. Keep them away from me. (laughs) And then, you know, obviously we, we need to see this, but, you know, it does happen. Well, Iron Man, there, there seems to be, these goons seem to be all over the place, even though there's only four of them, right? Yeah. Um, th- They managed to keep them back and then the Triana is reborn. But Billy, what great panels by Don Perlin here. I love the, 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 the Triana Man. He's like this platypus-type cheetah-esque. I don't see a lot of crocodile in there except for the mouth, but that almost looks like a platypus's beak. And um, he's, he's wearing underwear. <laughs> he's wearing
1: green underwear. He's got
0: a green speedo on. Yeah, a green speedo. <laughs> oh, it's it's ridiculous. But the animals seem to have survived the process because we've seen right after the the trianiman breaks free from his bonds, you see in the background this little cheetah leering from this uh-huh. this glass globe.
1: <laughs> oh, and wait and wait till we uh, eventually down the road talk about the next issue. Yeah, those animals come into play again, and it's absolutely. Gonzo.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, for you weird listeners, we're sorry to end the issue, you know, on this bit of a cliffhanger here, but we're definitely gonna, you know, tell you what happens next. But the oh, reason yeah. we picked this one, Billy, is just we wanted to get one of the wackiest, craziest horror meets superheroes issues out there to, to, you know, uh-huh. obviously keep into the weird, you know, on track. And uh, this is the one we picked. So you'll you'll hear more about how this issue played out. But suffice to say oh, that yeah. basically this is Iron Man. Werewolf by Night versus the triani Man, So nothing new there. But um, great, great couple of panels coming up in the next few issues that Billy, I know you love and that Don Perlin loved and that he loved to talk uh-huh. to you about. <laughs> so, yeah, but we'll get to that, listeners. This is it, though, for our two issues, um, you know, that mm-hmm. we've got under the magnifying glass uh, this time around. Wow, Billy, this actually, I'm parched, man. I need a drink after discussing these things because, <laughs> Wow. Lots of great stuff yeah. here from, from two Craziness. amazing crea- uh, creative teams.
2: Mm-hmm. So,
0: so with that, listeners, we'll head off into our Bronze Age Brilliance and Mighty Marvel Misstep segment. There's a lot to talk about there. Uh, before we do mm-hmm. that, Billy, we've got a bit of a, a preview, a promo that we're going to play for another show that you should listen to this Halloween. Hope you like that, listener. So uh, stay with us. We'll be back in a jiffy.
4: The Devil was once the most beautiful and favored of all the heavenly host but once infected with the sin of pride he was cast out of the lord's sight into the farthest depths of hell in his humiliation the devil raged, 'Tis better to rule in hell than serve in heaven my offspring the october pod will one day conquer mankind and all the lord's works and so Reborn once each month at 1:38 a.m. by man's reckoning of time, the October pod rises from its slumber, seeking what bold individualists it may devour. Edward October presents October Pod, a terrifying spook show. Available now on YouTube, Podbean, Stitcher, Spotify google play and at octoberpodvhs.com octoberpod retro horror for bold individualists
0: all right listeners we're back with our bronze age brilliance and mighty marvel missteps billy as ever you are first in line to give us your thoughts on these issues for both that we discussed what is your bronze age brilliance for the Uh, Giant sized Dracula and for the Werewolf by Night issue.
1: So, the Dracula, there's just so many things to list. You know, I'm just going to tick off a couple. Mm. Uh, Dracula's dialogue, you know, we went over a little bit of it. (laughs) That was just the fact that he was, you know, still in top form, even in this giant size with uh, uh, David Anthony Craft writing uh, instead of Marv Wolfman was awesome. I loved it. Uh, the murderous priest. <laughs> that to me is brilliant. I love that. I mean, you know, we've talked about it in, you know, in film, but, you know, it was, that's still pretty ballsy to do something like that. You know what I mean? Even though you could say, oh, it was this other thing that was taking over his mind. That's still a pretty ballsy thing to do. So I thought that was brilliant as well. And then some of the captions too, you know, you and I both read some of them, you know, were just great too, you know, but, uh, and then I love it when, you know, they have something to ch- challenge Dracula, you know, that is also evil and on his level, you know, like we discussed, it's great to have the, you know, the vampire slayers, you know, after him, you know, that group, and that, that that's great, I do like that stuff, but, you know, the doctor's son, and then, uh, oh, I can't remember the name of that one creature, but it was like a skeleton you know, he, you know, fought Dracula. Yeah, the,
4: the, <clears> they, <throat> what was his name? Yeah.
1: Damn
0: it. Okay, wait, um, let me I think. can't remember his name. Let think. I just read it like, no, no, a year ago, but, you know, when Ryan and I were talking, that's the last time I, I read through the run. What the hell was his name? Anyway, um, continue. Yeah. He's got great foes. This one, you know, is, is not yeah. up there, but you know, it's, it's, it's atypical actually for him. Because, but it's kind of like yeah, Dr. Sun, if you think about it, just a la- in larger mm-hmm. form.
2: Yeah.
0: Okay, so oh, yeah. basically the writing, you mean like f- everything from the dialogue to the oh, narration yeah. to the plot, the, the writing, right? The writing is, is, is a winner here.
1: Yeah, yeah, pretty much. By yeah, David Anthony Craft. So, so good. I, I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, I enjoyed it a lot. I <laughs> mean, Billy,
0: correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't you interview David Anthony Craft once, or what, am I wrong here, about his defenders? No.
1: Oh no, you didn't. Yeah, no, I didn't interview him at all. I've just there's been a couple times I've interacted with him because he's another guy that's on social media, and he's super cool. And he'll talk to you all day long about stuff. You know, if he's got the time, he's he's very responsive to people that want to, uh, you know, talk to him about uh, the old days back at Marvel. He's, I mean, he's still writing to this day. I cannot recall the name of the book, um, but he's writing a book, and I think they it's like a small press thing, but I think they might do it on like Kickstarter or something like that if I'm not mistaken. But, yeah, he's... The, the guy's still writing to this day, but, yeah, oh, I love this stuff from back then. But, yeah, very, very good guy, very responsive. Super yeah. cool. <laughs> yeah. No,
0: um, I, I, I'm a fan, obviously, of all things Defender, so that's where I first encountered him. But mm. um, I guess, well, you could say mm-hmm. I... No, no, I probably read the Defenders first before I read this one. You know, this is not... I mean, yeah. he, he does write horror. He can write it. It's just not something I normally associate with him, but he did it really well. I mean, uh, you don't know how much... Yeah you know, input heck had into the story, but Marf Wolfman obviously had a lot of input in this because he get a co write he gets co plotting credits, right? So yeah. um yep. you know, so he was probably just making sure that or it might have been a story that Marf Wolfman had uh for the regular title and he just never you know, he never um used it. So it might have been that's why he got co plotting credits. He might have like used that, you know, um as an idea for, for Anthony Craft to use. We don't know. This this has not been documented, I think, at least not to my knowledge. But, um, you know, uh, yeah, this this is definitely a Marf Wolfen-esque Tomb of Dracula story, just not in the same era, you know, but um, he's encountered villains like these, you know, before, um, w- which is my point. These, yeah. uh, you know, giant entities who challenge him, you know, on his level, Mm-hmm. so you know he's like okay i'm gonna take this out so i uh, believe that um yeah. uh, what did i want to mention okay my okay it's similar to yours but you know for me it's the re- what i'm gonna call the return of don Heck to horror <laughs> he has so many great panels in this issue so for me it's going to be the art uh now i'm not usually mm-hmm. a fan of don Hick's superhero stuff you know Because the Avengers, I love them. I just didn't like that era of Don Hick penciling them. I I mean, I still like the writing. I just, I don't know. There's just something about his style that's not superhero-y for me. But obviously, he can do it all. I just prefer his horror stuff. And ever since I encountered his pre code stuff, too, within the last 10 years or so, after they were reprinted, I've loved, I've fallen in love with his horror. And um, this is him firing on all cylinders. He's... He's got it down to a T. He's really a master of horror, especially the beats between panels, the tempo that he sets, the sort of way he builds up to the crescendo part of the comic book, where yeah. the horror eventually culminates in this giant, you know um, uh, explosion of, of terror at the end there. You know what I mean? So he's good at making you feel the fear, ramping up mm-hmm. the fear, kind of like a you know, um, a, gr- a really well-written horror movie. You know, and well-filmed scenes. He's sort of uh, doing that on on the page. And uh, obviously, a lot of props to the writers, to Marv, and uh, especially to uh, David Anthony Craft here. But I'm saying it's all heck for me in this issue. Uh, Every single murder is... Yeah, that
1: heart. Oh, man. (laughs) That heart? Yeah, the heart. That heart at the end.
0: Oh, damn.
1: Crazy good.
0: Mm, Brilliantly penciled, and lots of detail in the little veins and... Erectations there, you know, that they've got going there in that giant pulsating organ. And um, I love the faces too. Everybody's face is constantly fraught with fear, you know, in this issue, except for Dracula. Dracula looks imperious and haughty and, as he always does, superior (laughs) to everybody. But, you know, the humans in this story are either terrified or they've got these evil leers on their faces once they're possessed. And um, you really feel... You know every bit of the, the 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 fear and the fright and and everything that's being evoked here through their faces even, and then of course through the the events yeah. that happen. So like I said, every murder that's uh, been penciled in this issue has been done in a in a very strange and singular fashion where it it disturbs me, right, Billy? It sticks with you, sort of. Like I say, this is oh, yeah. scenes in this comic has stuck with me since childhood. The animal murder, the priest attacking a guy in church in while while he's giving a confession. you know to the preacher or taking confession and then you know obviously him murdering his own daughter at the end wow very very disturbing there's even a scene where Dracula drains a woman dry you know he flies off because he's thirsty Mm -hmm. once he he gets to this town of Devil's Lake he flies off where he's thirsty and like you said the guy the cowardly guy who was making out with his girl in the park he runs away Dracula you know there's a scene where he drinks her dry and it's just his lips on her throat and the fangs are firmly in there. Mm-hmm. That stuck with me ever since oh, I yeah. was a kid. So I'm going to have to go with the art on this one, Billy. Okay, cool. dude. Now let's get to the uh, Mighty Marvel missteps for both issues. Uh, what did you have for the giant-sized Dracula misstep? Or missteps? Could be plural.
1: Um, <laughs> well, yeah. If, well, for me, there was only one thing with uh, the... There was the only thing that one, one thing that really bothered me about the Dracula issue, and it was the killing of the animals. Oh, man. I just I couldn't take it. That was just too much for me. Okay, that is... <laughs> that oh, was just way, way too much for me. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. You, you're right. That is very, very disturbing. I'm not a fan Ooh. of animal murder at all on film or in film or on the page. I hate it. Um, Luckily, it wasn't done gratuitously, you know, Billy, it wasn't done um, in the way that we would see these gruesome... Okay, because, you know, uh, one of my favorite, well, my favorite Stephen King novel, Salem's Lot, has this gruesome scene where, Mm -hmm. you know, when the vampire arrives in Salem's Lot, his servant, you know, um, in order to sort of consecrate Salem's Lot to, to his master, he murders a dog and hangs it up on the cemetery gates. And you know that was always oh. very disturbing to me. You know, how King's powers of description are such that he he could really yeah. freak you out with that. So in my one of my favorite novels of all time, this 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 animal murder that horrifies me, and I sometimes when I read that I skip over it when I reread the book because it's just so disturbing. So that's a, a, yeah. a form of horror that I really don't don't like. You're right. So but here it's done in the way that it's sort of in the shadows a little bit. You know. You don't see him murdering right. the bird completely. You don't see him stabbing the puppy with the pitchfork, but it happens. So, of course, it's very, very unsettling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, um, yeah, good point. They, they could have maybe done without that because that, that, that is, hits a very, very, that hits
1: a nerve there. You know what I mean, Billy? Yeah, I'd I'd rather see him kill another neighbor.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those neighbors, man, they're scum. I'm telling you, they they need to go
1: take
0: one of them out, yeah. Yeah, no, I agree with you. So, Billy, then, um, my turn, right? Um, okay, oh, wait, 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 you still got to go with the with the Werewolf by Night uh, Bronze Age Brilliance there, right? Oh, oh sorry, Mighty Marvel oh, yeah, misstep. Yeah. Well, for my, that... misstep. For the...
1: Yeah, for Werewolf by Night um, Bronze Age Brilliance, just, the only thing I really loved was, I like how they... Uh, made Jack able to change at will and have his own consciousness you know while being the wolf cuz it led to some you know absolutely hilarious dialogue from the mouth of a werewolf you know that was yeah <laughs> that was yeah. something that I thought was great I thought that was brilliant I loved it you know and like you said even the fight too with between him and iron man and the dialogue <laughs> back and forth which you wouldn't have had you know 15 issues earlier 20 issues earlier you wouldn't have had that it would have just been like you know him snarling and spinning, and you know that's that's all you would have had. So that might have looked okay if there was a really good artist, you know, on there. But it still would have left left me wanting a little bit because there would have been only like a one sided dialogue where now it was two, and it was just it's hilarious them going back and forth. Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: No, no. Opening up the like you say his uh, character to the fact that now he's a sentient werewolf. You know, that, that did a lot for the book. But, yeah, I kind of liked him treading the line between Man-Thing and, you know, Dr- Dracula or Man-Thing and the Monster of Frankenstein there for a while. You know, like you were sort of um, uh, given his emotional state by, by the writers of the early Werewolf Finite Night issues, you know, um, through the narration and through the, you know, the dialogue boxes or the caption boxes, right, Billy? Uh, but now we've got his actual thoughts. And that, you know, obviously couldn't have been done in any other way with the superhero comic because you need him to talk to Iron Man in werewolf form. You need him to talk to Jarvis. <laughs> and uh, it seems that he's very reluctant to talk to Jar- Jarvis when he's in <laughs> werewolf form, though, right? He just thinks that, oh, this guy's lucky that yeah. I'm in full control because he's petting me like a dog. <laughs> the Avengers has yeah. found their mascot. <laughs> Jarvis used to be the mascot. <laughs>
1: Right. oh man <laughs> yeah. it's a tough one
0: but you know basically uh, uh billy i think uh oh man i'm blanking on something here are you talking about are you that vampire uh, the dracula villain you mentioned is that the guy is it, you you mean that corley guy the skeleton that was reanimated is it are you talking about the corley guy sorry earlier we, we were, we were thinking was, about the guy
1: i think it was in the teens maybe the issue number
0: yeah, it was is like it 15 team, or 15 or 16, but he he's yeah, like a yeah. reanimated skeleton. I think his name's, yeah. A, 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 I, I want to say Alistair Crowley, <laughs> but something similar to Crowley. <laughs>
1: no. Corley. Something like that. And then I remember at the, at the end, Dracula finally defeats him, but then the, the cop is there. Is it Chelm? And he, he says, Inspector Chelm, and he yeah. says, like, not to bury the body or something, or he'll come back again or whatever. And, and Dracula
0: flies, flies off and, you know, with the, with off, the
1: skeleton. <laughs> with the, yeah, the bat. bat. And he's like, shut up, Chelm, don't tell me what to do.
0: Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That that was a crazy issue. That's yeah. a good one. I, I don't know. I'm not sure yeah, if I love it. if Corley I'm, ever returned, you know, I, I, I don't think he did. But, yeah, that was one of the earlier villains that I thought were going to stick around for a while because he gave Dracula a run for his money, if I can recall, right, Billy? I mean, Dracula literally had to karate chop him there yeah. for a while just to, sever- to to get the head loose from the corpse, from his body there. But um, yeah, yeah, he, like,
1: threw Dracula around a couple of times,
0: yeah. Yeah, man, he was a tough opponent. So, uh, gave Dracula a, a better fight than, you know, this heart, this giant pulsating, you know, h- evil heart did. But yeah, sorry listeners, this okay, is Okay, I looked
1: it up. Yeah, I looked it up. It's issue 16. Okay. Is uh and then what the hell is the guy's name here? Oh, Duncan Corley. I oh, think
0: is who okay. It is. So it was something Corley. Yeah, I remember because I I just read it like last year, you know, when I was prepping for the show with Ryan, I reread uh, obviously we did issues uh you know 12 to 14 but i reread up till issue 25 last year again right billy and then yeah. late earlier this year yeah. I, I read the rest but yeah it's one only i think mm-hmm. my my third or fourth ever read through f- from the very beginning to the end but you know every now and then i will pick mm-hmm. up one issue that i will reread endlessly but you know I, i've never done the whole series oh yeah I mean, I've done it four times in a row now, you know, right from the beginning to the end. But, you know, it's it's kind of difficult to do that and not lose, you know, uh, interest in the property, even if it's great. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you shouldn't oh, yeah, like yeah.
1: Sp- it spoil tough. it
0: by just, you know, uh, some things I can do that with, you know, but not not with everything. You know, I can do that with Alan Moore's Swamp Thing. I can do that with, with modern stuff like Preacher or, uh, you know... Um, I'm blanking on some some Vertigo series. But, you know, with Tomb of Dracula, I like to savor it. You know, I don't want to to mm-hmm. to have too much of a, a, a heavy brew there of it. It kind of ruins it for me sometimes. So, yeah, Corley, yeah. Uh, he's a re- reanimated skeleton, much tougher opponent than this Bleeding Heart. We went off on a tangent there, listeners. Sorry, we're two old men struggling with our... <laughs> <laughs> memories here our memory yeah memory so, okay so it was a two of Dracula you know 16
1: actually, so we're good though okay yeah
0: so we, you, if you want to yeah, more uh, yeah like we should be like Roy Thomas you know make these little editor's notes in post-production <laughs> I'll do that I'll try to do that <laughs> listeners alright so Billy then it's my turn you you rattled off the the, bron- the Bronze Age brilliance and obviously I've done my Bronze Age brilliance for Dracula I haven't uh, done mine for the the my Mar- Mighty Marvel missteps for the, the oh or did, or did I I did do the missteps for the Tomb of Dracula no. Wow talk about getting old I didn't
1: so yeah you need to do Werewolf by Night yeah but that's it
0: okay so um let me do my Bronze Age Brilliance first okay for Werewolf mm-hmm. by Night obviously the art being amazing on the Tomb of Dracula oh, the giant size Dracula issue Werewolf by Night I I just loved the the interactions between uh, Jack Russell and Iron Man and Jarvis that is the, fan- the, the uh. it's, there's nothing that even compares to it not the <laughs> art not the writing obviously this is a lot to do with the writing right Billy but that made this mm-hmm. issue for me that that was fantastic I remember the first time I read it a couple of years ago I was like blown away I, I thought this issue is insane it's nuts but I love it and um, uh, typical of the Marvel Bronze Age you know you have these writers Taking the piss, as they say, right in in the UK. <laughs> and um, okay, so the yeah. interactions between Jarvis, especially, and Werewolf by Night, but also Iron Man. Iron Man, man, he, like he can't believe he's fighting a werewolf in the beginning. He he's he's totally incredulous. Yeah. He's like,
1: this... he thinks it's a guy in a costume. Yeah, yeah.
0: And then he realizes, oh damn, this is a real thing. This is a real deal. Probably the first time ever okay. that Iron Man has fought a werewolf. <laughs> So, the one and only, probably. Yeah, one and only time. And then, you know, um, for my Mighty Marvel missteps uh, in, in terms of the giant sized Dracula issue, I would have to go with the fact that, you know, uh, the origin of this uh, entity that Dracula was fighting was just quickly, you know, wrapped up by this uh, convenient psychic exchange between Dracula and the, the, the entity, mind to mind, or kind of like Vulcan mind melt. That was effected there at the end. <laughs> it was too easy. You know, Billy, it was too easy. Rather yeah. have, have Dracula encounter a tome in a library or something or Anne Randolph tells him of the history of the town and, and this, this, this legend. Uh, that would have been a little bit more, um, you know, ingenuous. This is a little bit too uh, convenient for me. You know, the fact that, oh, where did this big yeah. pulsing heart come from? Oh, we didn't tell the the, the 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 readers why. Let's quickly come up with a with a device that makes it instantaneous. <laughs> you know, it's just Dracula <laughs> just comes to this knowledge at the end and then, you know, in his yeah. own thoughts gives it to the reader. Um so that was a little bit clunky for me. But the rest is, is beautiful. Oh it's beautiful, it's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. then uh werewolf by night um, uh, Mighty Marvel misstep. Um, Billy, can I say none? I didn't have any missteps in this issue. Yeah. I mean, obviously the Marauder being a silly villain, I'm not going to go that route because Marvel's, you know, rife with silly, stupid villains in this time. That That's one of the things that makes it, you know, great. I, I, there's nothing. The art, I love the art. I love the, the dialogue. I love the writing. I love the battles. There's nothing... Uh, I don't know. There's nothing I can come up with, dude. Sorry, Bronze, Bronze Age Brilliance yeah. is, is through the roof on this one. But in terms of a misstep, <laughs> nope. There's this issue. I'm not saying it's a perfect issue. Far from it. <laughs> but, you right. know, I, there's nothing that I... I enjoyed every single panel, every single line of dialogue. So, yeah.
2: Uh-huh.
0: A perfect issue yep. for... Uh, to wrap up Halloween, you know, because we're saying we're we're still uh, you know horror minded, but we're back to into the weird.
1: <laughs> yeah, the only thing for me was just the mass marauder taking down Iron Man and Werewolf by Night. It's a little, it's, it's a tough pill to swallow because he's a goon. But other than that, oh yeah, it's just a cr- an incredibly fun issue. Yeah, from start to finish.
0: Yeah, I can buy <laughs> it a little bit because Iron Man's weakened. But just how weak can your armor be based on your level of? <laughs> uh you know tiredness not that weak iron man come on <laughs> well he was
1: probably drunk too so
0: oh damn billy
1: <laughs> that's harsh <laughs>
0: oh damn that's harsh yeah that's why he wanted to stop by avengers <laughs> mansion later that day it was like hey we've got a fully stocked bar over there <laughs>
2: yeah,
0: only in... a bottle of
1: jack Daniel.
0: exactly right. I have two jacks under one roof <laughs> <laughs> introduce jack to jack why not never mind jack daniels
1: and russ jackson
0: (laughs) (laughs) oh never mind jarvis jarvis is there to serve the jacks to the jacks (laughs) nothing else Mm -hmm. oh billy brilliant man All right, listeners, that wraps up our Bronze Age Brilliance and Mighty Marvel missteps. We'll be back after another short break with our recommendations of Ragador. We won't have Shop Talk today, Billy, because we had a lengthy Shop Talk segment during our last episode, which dropped like a week ago. So uh, look forward to some recommendations from the Dark Dimension. We'll be back in a second.
3: Oh, who could it be this time of the night? Oh, if I don't get by 40 winks, I wake up really cranky. Now who dares disturb the dread Dormammu's nightly slumber?
4: Happy Halloween! cheek cheek
3: What? What the hell? How did you get here? This this is the Dark Dimension, for heaven's sake. Small humans aren't allowed. I'm going to... Look, I'm just here for some candy. Do you have any? Candy? Candy, don't be daft. What would the Lord of the Dark Dimension be doing sporting candy in the middle of the night?
4: There's no need
3: to be so mean, mister. Who are you supposed to be anyway? Ghost Rider? What? How dare you? I am the most feared foe in the entire Marvel Universe. Wait a minute. Don't turn your back on me. What are you doing? Where are you going? I'm going over to Ragador's house. He has recommendations and candy. Whoa! Wait. Wait. You can't just leave. not just like that. We haven't finished our uh, our discussion. I mean, come back here.
4: Toodaloo.
3: Oh, I hate humans. Especially the small miniature ones. Oh.
0: Right. Once again, we're doing the recommendations of Ragador. Billy, what do you want to recommend to our weird listeners this time around as Halloween's wrapping up? I know you've got something uh, incredibly suitable, uh, you know, tailored for our horror sensibilities. What
1: is it? Okay, so this is something, you know, with the Halloween season in uh, full swing here, I, I think think we've talked about it before i don't know if we've talked about it on the show before or not though but i know you and i at some point have talked about this um, i bought it in a trade but i think it came out in like three i don't know if i want to call them issues but almost like chapters you know thicker like uh issues you know oversized issues but then it was collected in a trade uh back in i think 2010 maybe uh it's called driver for the dead you heard of this one
0: Driver for the day. No, dude, I haven't heard about that.
1: Okay. What? Yeah, it's from a, a smaller publisher called um, Radical Publishing. And I just looked on their website and you can still get this trade for fifteen bucks. So think about that. It's a pretty decent sized trade and it was written and created by a guy I'd never even heard of before. His name's John Heffernan. But it was illustrated by somebody you and I both know, Leonardo Banco.
0: Oh yeah. Oh beautiful so mm-hmm. oh I gotta get yeah. I gotta get this is it it's obviously still available yeah, right
1: yeah yeah soft cover, 15 bucks it's on their website right now you can oh. buy it I'm, I'm sure you could probably even go to Amazon too maybe even get it cheaper but um, I'll give you the quick little uh, uh, one little paragraph pitch for it it says Alabaster Graves is the driver for the dead he and his hearse Black Betty handle the more lively cases in New Orleans vampires angry ghosts the not quite dead alabaster has been sent to retrieve the body of one of the town's most famous and beloved spirit healers mose freeman with mose's granddaughter marissa along for the ride unbeknownst to graves he is not the only one after mose's body an evil necromancer named uriah fallow along with his gang of undead tufts, has been on graves trail Fallow and his gang have been murdering renowned supernatural practitioners and stealing their powers by attaching powerful pieces of their corpses to his own piecemeal undead personage. Fallow needs one more piece from Moe's Freeman before he can complete his master plan. Follow Graves as he tries to rescue Marissa from Fallow's henchmen and recover Moses’ body back in order to restore order and deliver his corpse to its rightful place of rest. So there you
0: go. <laughs> Dude, that is so up my alley. Thank you. And now, you know, normally the stuff oh, you... you rec- would,
1: yeah, you would love
0: it. Oh, man, thank you. Normally, the, the things you recommend I've read or I've heard about and I want to pick it up, you know, but uh, I just need that extra push. But this is comp- something completely new to me. And now I, I won't rest mm-hmm. until I, I buy it. So I'm, I'm going to go as soon as we're done here. <laughs> i going to get that, that purchased. Mm-hmm. All right, Billy, as yeah, for vampires, me...
1: vampires, werewolves... Oh, they've zombies, got everything. It's They're all in there. It's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy.
0: Okay, no, no, no. That's a must-buy. It's a must-buy for me. I, I think Misty will over, obviously also be interested in that. She's been getting into some new horror, so I'll recommend that mm-hmm. to her as well. I doubt she listens to this show. <laughs> if she does, Misty, send <laughs> us a text. <laughs> all right, so mm-hmm. listen to this, Billy. I've got a recommendation, which is... Um, You might think it's not appropriate for Halloween, but I would venture to say it is. Now, this will sound strange when I say what it is. You'll think, like, what? Aren't we still doing the Halloween show? Yes, we are. All right. Uh, Okay, this is a little bit pricey, so you kind of have to, if you want to pick this up, you got to have to spend some bucks, but you can find it cheaper than the the, the in-store price, certainly through Amazon, and even maybe a couple of months later on eBay. This is Marvel Masterworks, the amazing Spider-Man Volume twenty-two. Now, Billy, mm. you might think, why the heck am I recommending this? I mean, come on, we want horror. I would, I would say that this does contain some horror, <laughs> but it also contains something. Okay. contains things appropriate to Into the Weird. This is at the height of the Roger Stern era, of of Spider-Man. You've got some okay. some art by Rick Leonardi, Bob Hall. You've got, um, you know. Uh, co-writing credits by Bill Mantlo and Mark Grunewald. And you've also got some uh, early John Romita Jr., which I loved. You know, I, I'm not a fan of his later art, but, you know, early John Romita Jr. I loved. This has got some great Spidey tales. Billy, the fool killer <laughs> makes a return. Oh, it's, oh yes. <laughs> it's lovely. It's <laughs> lovely. It's it's Spidey versus the fool killer. Uh, now, this is where some horror comes in into play, folks. The Cobra... And Mr. Hyde versus Spidey. Oh boy. Beautiful, beautiful. <laughs> Madame Webb. Crazy. Madame Webb, Billy. Oh Millie. yeah. I mean if she's I think she's that's
1: her first appearance in there, isn't that's it? That's
0: right, that's her first appearance. Now she's horror-based, right?
1: Yeah. A little
0: bit. And then yeah, yeah, of, yeah. of course we've got the epic showdown between Spidey and the Juggernaut. In there, oh yeah, lovely, lovely, mm-hmm. lovely, and and this is very mature writing for the, for the time, folks. This has got murder, intrigue. Yeah. It's got like I say, a, a heavy horror flavor running through through some of these issues, and it's got Spidey's brief romance mm-hmm. with the Black Cat, you know. Um, and, oh yeah, and uh, oh, it's just lovely. This this is a perfect Spider-Man run, uh, and as a kid, when I read these issues, I felt like I was in heaven there for a while there. I was in Spidey mm-hmm. heaven. Yeah, and so um, I would recommend yeah. this. It's got some some horror stuff in there, listeners. So never fear. But it's definitely in in sync with Into the Weird with our mentality. So pick up if you can. Marvel Masterworks: The Amazing Spider-Man Volume Twenty Two. The last time I checked, uh, the hardcover. Okay, it was it's it's very pricey. It was like sixty bucks. It might be less now. It might be more, but it's worth it. It's like a whopping, um, like five hundred at least four hundred and fifty pages. And it's beautifully bound oh. with thick glossy paper and beautiful colors it's not you know recolored in in any off-putting way i would say you would be a fool to not pick this up <laughs> and the fool killer might you might get a visit from the fool killer if you don't pick this up so that's all oh. i'm saying <laughs> billy oh. this is this is that fool killer story i was referencing referencing when we talked fool killer uh you know during our wacky villains episode where he attacks the yeah. campus mail room <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh you didn't actually tried to buy that issue isn't it like 225 yeah something yeah like
0: yeah, that? yeah yeah that's right yeah
1: yeah i tried to buy that off ebay and some jerk outbid me on it but i god was like oh damn man it.
0: god so
1: mad, <laughs> so mad. Yeah. So, <laughs> listeners,
0: uh, you got to pick this up. It's just, it's gold. Billy, thanks for your great recommendation. But I'm hoping you can pick up this run mm-hmm. in, in single issues off of eBay. The, the The masterwork is a little bit pricey, but I've got an alternative for you, folks. The Kindle and Comixology edition is only ten bucks. So, you know, oh, wow. there yeah, you go. If you're into reading reading digital, you you absolutely have to read these issues that I've talked about. You know, hit, hit it up on Kindle or hit it up on Comixology or Marvel. Um, yeah, for sure. Uh, Unlim- I don't know if Marvel uh, Unlimited has yeah. collections. I, I doubt it. But yeah, the, you can get it that way. Um, I'm not sure if it's on Comixology Unlimited. I'm not on there anymore, so I, I, I can't check for you, but I doubt it. But you can buy it for 10 bucks mm-hmm. So worth it. Definitely worth it.
1: Yeah, that's great.
0: Billy, with that, we wrap up our last Halloween episode, our bonus episode for 2020 i'm kind of sad to see it go because we had a lot of fun mm-hmm. you and i this october recording some horror we did like we said the haunted palace for your mag oh i shouldn't i shouldn't give that away but for you know magazines and monsters we did a uh-huh. long box of darkness episode with misty and we did our main uh halloween episode oh, about a week ago and now we've got this bonus special I don't want to say goodbye to Halloween. I don't want to say goodbye to October, uh, autumn, fall. Oh, I love it all. Just uh, I want to just stay here in this little pocket of time. But we can. Yes. We got to move forward. Got to get rid of this coronavirus <laughs> uh, shite, and then we got to get going with life again. So we'll be back for another Halloween special next year. But look forward to two Doctor Strange episodes that we've already recorded for November. Right, Billy? So we've got mm-hmm. at least two or three, oh, yeah. maybe, if we, if we get a new one in the can coming out in, in November. And then, Billy, you and I have a special uh, project coming up, but we'll leave that for uh, the episode that's dropping in the first week of, um, of November, and we are previewing mm-hmm. something else that you and I are going to be doing together.
1: Oh, yeah. So, you know, for those of you that don't know... Uh, November is a uh, hashtag on Twitter war comics month. And uh, we're not going to say exactly what, but keep that in mind because yeah, special project coming up and uh, we think everybody's going to really enjoy it. And we're going to have a good time with it. So look out for that coming, uh, hopefully around the middle of November, we'll get that out.
0: That's right. and And for any of you, people thinking you know what we're talking about. It's not Weird War Tales, okay? Misty and I recently covered that. <laughs> we might do another episode of Weird War Tales for November. It's not that at all, okay? So get that uh-huh. out of your minds. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's arguably not even horror-related, right, Billy? Right. <laughs> so yeah, no. yeah, There you go. Something
1: a little uh, different for you and I, for sure.
0: <laughs> Excellent. But we're both big fans of this, so we're, we'll, we'll get oh, that to yeah. you listeners pretty soon. But with yep. that, Billy, uh, we got to wrap this up. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at DarkLongBox. Our main account is also there at IntoWeird. Please send any feedback to uh, weird at gmail.com. And please also check out our website, which is www.SyncIntoTheWeird.com. And that's where we will post a podcast addendum blog post with some images from the two issues under discussion tonight. <laughs> And, uh, Billy, what about you? Where can they find you on the socials?
1: Definitely look me up on Twitter, at BillyD underscorelicious. You know, my name's uh, Doc Strange on there. Peter Cushing's my avatar. And then uh, magazinesandmonsters.com for my blog and Facebook page by the same name.
0: Excellent. And with that, it's goodbye from Into the Weird. We'll leave you with a short little message of love in the season of horror. We love all our listeners, right, Billy? We love the people on Twitter. We love the creators who's given us this wonderful medium to to play around in and enjoy. And, uh, you know, read some comics uh, before Halloween wraps up. Preferably horror, but it doesn't have to be. Watch some movies and uh, join us on Twitter for some fun times. And that's the last you'll hear from Into the Weird this October. But we'll definitely be back next month. And, of course, next Halloween on into the weird. Take it easy, folks.